Hey, hello, welcome everybody. How you doing? I am revitalized. I was whinging apologies on the last intro for Longusto's episode because I was fucked. Crazy times, all the new gear, all the little bit of blowout with um, Darren G and our kind of page popping and stuff with the kids and life and the fucking dreaded woo flu. So um, I feel good. I went floating in the middle of the week. I went over to Go Deep Flotation and I had 90 minutes and it was blissful. It was magic. I drifted away instantaneously and the music came on. I just came back around and it was over and it felt like moments. It was blissful. I didn't have any crazy trippy far out stuff. I was heavily dosed on entry. (laughs) Um, And... I just knew my body was screaming at me. I've got to rest, got to try and get some rest. And I've had late nights and um, my routine just shattered. A lot of emotional stuff on the mind, a lot of change. So it was amazing. And I didn't, in the float itself, like I say, I wasn't tripping, didn't have any kind of crazy visuals I sometimes have. I didn't have any of the emotional processing that I sometimes do, any of the razor sharp memory processing, any of that. It was just literally my body saying, thank you for this. And we just shut off and it was blissful. And when the music came back on 90 minutes later, I just did not want to move. I felt like I was wrapped in the clouds of the gods. It was just beautiful, wonderful, gorgeous. I can't thank everybody at Go Deep enough. Kieran was wonderful. It was lovely to embrace with Kieran and have a chat and catch up. And I felt awesome. And since then, it's kick-started me. I'm trying to get my routine back together. I've made some space, had a rest, and all is gravy. I think we've rectified some of the issues we had um technically with the last podcast but we'll get to that so go deep flotation is one of our sponsors our first sponsor and we are our proud sponsor go deep flotation therapy.com um you can find them google them everyone's back in the swing now flotation therapy is amazing for you no matter whether you like crazy experiences you like to trip out you like to um, go deep within introspection or you're just somebody who trains uses your body a lot needs to rest all of those things, autoimmune, skin conditions, depression, sleep, metabolism, everything, man. It is fucking amazing and take the time to do it because we live in crazy times when people are telling you to put a seven pence mask on because that's helping your health. Meanwhile, you take the mask off to have a cigarette or to eat some processed food, which is what we do, let's face it. doesn't make a lot of sense. If you want to do some real shit that is fun, it's a therapy, it's therapeutic, it's cathartic, it's good for you on every level, physically, mentally, the whole shebang, and you have a jolly doing it. It's fun. It's a good experience. You, you and the missus or you and your, your fella trip off for a Saturday or a Sunday or an evening and just treat yourself to disconnecting from this mental world. Go deep float, flotation therapy. You can use the code word CHEW and you'll get 10% off your float. Go and see them. They're amazing. It's the same with Lincoln Cryo Lab. That's something I wanted to squeeze in this week, but due to my um, strict not going anywhere, staying in the house, chilling with the kids, trying to turn the fucking phone off and ignore the notifications twice a day. That's the new plan. Let's get in the phone once in the morning, once in the evening and do all that fucking flicking, scrolling bollocks and trying to implement that. And it's difficult, boys and girls. It's fucking difficult. Let's admit it to ourselves. We are in the times of, and I'm uh, I'm currently watching The Social Dilemma, which we will get to that as well. But yeah, point being, I wanted to get on cryo this week as well, but it would have meant 
shuffling a load of shit this weekend and kids getting looked after and all that so I thought right I'll wait I'll get there next week part of my uh, recovery process but three minutes in a cryotherapy chamber again same thing just amazing if you want to be healthy if you want to tune your body if you want to do things for yourself that you can't get in any other way because it's intention you set an intention if you choose to go and do something that sounds odd scary left field you know which is a physical and mental um, alleviation practice then that's good for you anyway the fact that you set aside the time the money you know and um, just the, the the willingness to try something new that's amazing I would strongly suggest try it because it's amazing and we live in times of uncertainty crazy health misinformation disinformation fucking lies the full sh- the full lot is happening we don't know what to make of anything so take control yourself Go and do stuff that you know is good for you. LincolnCryoLab.co.uk and you can get 10% off using the code word CHEW of your cryo session. Awesome. So, watching the uh, social dilemma at the moment. And again, I'm having a social dilemma anyway because it's just reaffirmed to me some of my instincts from the last few years, which is we're speaking in code, no one's talking to each other, we're sending messages that are getting misconstrued with no context. A funny message an angry message, an emotional message, a reaching out message. We can't fucking tell what it is from the other end. Whatever the emoji, whatever the context, we're just judging everything from our own narrow perspective that hasn't been connected, that didn't have all the other cues of physical, emotional, you know, practical. We didn't have all that. We're just reading the black and white text and the the fucking face or the flag or the fucking whatever it is. We cannot keep doing that. I've been feeling that for a long time. I've started to take... um, well, I've got rid of Facebook. I've got rid of um, a few of those apps, Twitter and all that. They're all gone. Um, WhatsApp, and that's going to be going soon. I'm in a couple of groups, a physical exercise group and another couple of groups, uh, band group and some other stuff. But people are just going to have to get me on my phone. Um, I think that's where I'm going. And watching The Social Dilemma, that seemed to just fucking bend my head. You know, we aren't paying attention like the guys who actually worked at these companies and who, who who designed this new world for us are saying on the documentary. You know, now again, watching it on Netflix, Netflix is part of that Silicon Valley takeover of the way we interact and the way we consume and we collect our data now. So I'll never take anything straight down the middle. I've seen this documentary. That's how it is. It goes in the pot, as I've said before. All of these different elements of learning go into my little cauldron and I'm stirring it up and I'm coming up with my own potion that seems right for me. And right now it's like, okay, yeah. If if engineers from Facebook who designed the like button and if, you know, CEOs and monetization directors from Pinterest and Instagram and you name it are talking with real alarm about what it is we've done and how we are actually using these things and what it's doing to us, then we should take notice. And I don't know the science and I'm certainly not in any way proclaiming to, but what I do know is my instincts are strong and we need to get back to seeing people, trusting people, learning from people and not these crazy fucking misconstrued ideas that are just getting pumped around the place. So, yeah, really, really fascinating. I 
urge you to go and have a look at that if you haven't had a look at it and you know listen to yourself because you have the moments yourself when you're fucking 15 scrolls down your instagram feed looking at fucking you know dancing millionaires in dubai and thinking what am i fucking doing you know i'm supposed to be putting the shelves up in the airing cupboard or whatever the fuck you know do it put the fucking thing down it's a fucking nightmare that's where we are so check it out social dilemma it's on netflix and tune in Okay, um, this episode we're going into today is with Jason Bird. Jason is um, a renowned tattoo artist, travels the world, um, learning new skills from different places, different countries, from other uh, world-renowned tattoo artists. He's got a, got a really distinctive style. His studio, Jay's Inc., in Lincoln City, is constantly booked up kind of six months in advance. Um, and he's a psychonaut, he's a go-getter, he's um, he's battling his own demons, he's come through a lot of um, his own issues in life, love, trauma, life, family, um, and he is somebody who is super active in trying to find ways to mitigate the madness and tune himself out of the crazy world and trying to find some meaning, and most lately, his, his journey has took him to DMT, which is something that um, I'm really interested in. Uh, and we get well into that in this podcast, so this is going to be fun for you. And it's um, it's really had a nice, um, re- it was received really well on Friday night on the premiere. So for people listening again, um, on Friday nights we do the video premieres of these episodes, and we have got all new kit. We're all super HD'd up. It is lovely, and we've had some wicked, lovely, uplifting comments from people like um, Ash Meekle, who's the book booking director for Sean Atwood's podcast, one of the biggest YouTube podcasts in the UK, who said, you know, our studio looks fantastic, it looks really cool, loving the podcast, loving the content, can see that we're growing week to week and really, really, really appreciate that. We've had the same from the Pod Bible magazine, they just did a part, uh, um, and a, we did a conversation with them at the beginning of lockdown where we talked about the idea of going into video you know, and using the lockdown time and trying to take the podcast towards video. Uh, and they published that just in the last episode of the Pod, Pod Bible podcast, which I think is episode number 30. Oh, fucking hell, 30. I don't know. It's the last episode from this this last week. So check that out. Um, I'll get onto Pod Bible in a minute. But um, the guys there said, you know, that they've been, they've been watching and the studio looking amazing. Um, and sounding great, and we're going from strength to strength. So it's been lovely to hear that from our peers, from people who publish, you know, across the country. It's amazing. So thank you very much for that. And if you guys haven't checked us out yet on a Friday night premiere or thereafter, then head over to Chew the Chat podcast on YouTube. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, and you will get all of the latest videos drop in your lap. And I think we're, you know, we're doing sort of four videos a week, something like that. There's a full episode, there's clips within the episode. And every now and again, I'm doing a, just kind of my thoughts on the topic of the time. Um, one of which was recently to do with last week's episode, Longusto, which got taken down um, by YouTube because we mentioned covid apparently with misinformation medicinal misinformation which i've gone back through it i can't work it out if that's the case they took it down i since think they might have put it back up and just put an age restriction on it it's very confusing and because as i said at the top of this podcast i'm making some space between me and my fucking contact with my phone i haven't bothered to look in too much um this week 
But it went down great. We've had lovely, lovely comments and people jumping on board and giving us ideas of other people within the hip-hop world to get onto the podcast and people commenting on each other, which I found really fascinating. So um, that's been lovely. Some of the people who are obviously new to the podcast through the Darren G episode when we had a little breakthrough, you know, there's kind of 50, 100 people watching live on the night and they're all chatting to each other and... I saw it several times where people had said, look, this this community in here is a really nice community. It's not often we jump in and we get we get such back and forth with one another. It's a really warm community. It feels like we're sat in with the guys on a podcast. Love it. That makes me happy because that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to create a laid-back atmosphere in these podcasts. Um, maybe it comes through on the audio. Um, I think when you watch the video, you know, you'll see it certainly in the Long Gusto episode and episodes like that where we are having a drink and we're just kicking back and having a smoke and just, you're, you're in the room with us. We're all sat on the sofa just chewing chat and it's great and it's lovely to see that's being recognised. So that's greatly appreciated and big up to Long Gusto because it was um, a really fun chat and the first time we've ever got to do that proper uh, as we mentioned in the podcast. So thank you everybody for that. Head over to Chew the Chat podcast on YouTube. Subscribe, notify and be part of that family. Instagram is the only other thing that we're bothering with these days, and we love Instagram as far as it gives context to everything that we say in these intros, outros. We're uploading pictures and bits and bobs, and the the Lockdown Liars t-shirts have been going down great. It seems like they're gaining momentum. The more uncertain and the more distrust that the populace are growing against the government guidelines and where this whole thing is going, because it's pretty clear now that this is a disproportionate response and then some um to what's happening you know the 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 outweighing of actual issues being caused by lockdown and by government guidelines and the basic suppression of human rights seems to be way outweighing any uh lethal disease that we're told is is actually around so the lockdown lies t-shirts i'm getting people hitting us up for these t-shirts and i did a giveaway didn't i and i was giving them away and i did a you know i did the 10 giveaway or whatever it was aiden and i did that was fine. Then other people hit us up, so we kind of felt compelled to give them away. It's been a bit crazy giving away a lot more than than I had a bargain for because they're not cheap to make at the moment when you're only making little batches. But people keep asking for them, so I'm taking that as a good thing. So, you know, if you are uh, down with the lockdown liars, hashtag lockdown liars with a Z, let us know um, and hit us up and we might send you one. So that's all cool. Um, so, yeah, this week we're, we're, we're Jason Bird. We went heavy into his story, as we always do. He's got a fascinating story. He's a really strong character. Um, but we got into DMT and we got into therapy. We got into understanding ourselves, letting go of our bullshit and just being humbled, being humbled by whatever is behind the, the infinite curtain of the, the the usual processed frame of mind, which is, you know, be a good human, get a job, earn good money, get the house, get the car, you know, we're getting beyond that. Like, what does this interconnected experience mean? And it's fascinating. And so um, the track I'm going to play in is a track by Svensson, and it's called Andromeda, and it's uh, it's DMT-inspired, and I really like it. So I'm not going to hang about. Thank you to all the new listeners and all the new subscribers. Welcome to the Tudor Chat family. It is a joy to have you. We're a new podcast and um, it's great It's great to know that everybody's jumping on board who are with us now, listening and viewing. You know, we, we, we're really, really proud. And the 
future is bright. We've got some awesome guests on the way, uh, stuff to announce. So welcome. Enjoy this, guys. Without further ado, this is episode number 31 of the Chew the Chat podcast with Jason Bird.
dad's call and get on with him great but there's been so much trauma and we've grown up listening to your dad's this your dad's that and your mum's done this and your mum's you so you're like you fucking you know you'd never know where you are my stepdad's a great bloke works away he's just a he's just a fucking good guy who just kind of took three kids on didn't want to get in the middle of it all kept at a friendly distance working away not really kind of gooey daddy goo or anything like that so he never got involved in terms of he wasn't there enough, enough anyway. He'd be six, eight weeks away on a rig, come back for a week. He'd get his face chewed off by my mum. <laughs> so we'd be, we'd see that going on, you know. So I'd have my stepdad and my two little brothers in this new family structure. But then I'd be watching my stepdad and my mum just fight and snipe and, yeah, not very nice. And I, So he's never really ever around a moment, when you think about it, of just seeing two people being loving. Yeah, and, and free. So like yeah, and so for the thing is, I think with that, it's maybe like you're so afraid of love because you think like a so-called relationship, what you're supposed to have, is just that. That's what you've learned. That's yeah. what's been imprinted. Yeah. Do you know? I think it, you're fucking bang on, Jay. And, it, and my brothers, my younger brothers, I'm the oldest of four brothers. Um, even as as much as I've, I've just given you that, like I've I'm probably the one who's managed to get closer to actually repair. Repair. I think two of my, certainly a couple of my brothers are kind of like the younger ones who've watched their stepdad, or their actual dad, my stepdad, and the mum, they've stayed together, so they haven't had the confusion of them splitting up and all that, and then another guy, but they've just watched their mum and dad just clearly just snipe and fight and create an awful environment where, you know, the dad dad will come to the young and... I've had enough, you know, I've been fucking dead 30 years and fucking, you know, and don't realise that the kids, you know, there's a young man there. And over years, he's just like, and and so I think they're probably thinking, fuck that, I don't don't want none of this shit. You know, I'll just have a girlfriend at arm's length. That'll do me. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Whereas my brother, my other brother, Harry, who's my biological dad, my biological brother from my mum and dad originally who split up, he's really loving, but he's really struggling, really struggling with just, trying to find happiness, do you know what I mean? And he's got loads of love, but he's just on his own and he's he's fucking angry and he's just trying to f- make it work, but he just can't seem to... And all the while, my family are just keep up appearances. It's all about, oh, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday, so we're going for a meal and, like, people turn up and the photo gets taken for Facebook and... But it's that internal feeling, It's missing, it? it's not there. It hasn't been there for the whole time. It hasn't been there. And as I, I, what I get really upset about now, Jay, is that I've got my kids, three kids. Like I say, my wife's been repairing me, not set out to, just she's got love. And I'm now in a loving kind of free reciprocal kind of world where I don't have to. So I'm now 
really aware of not repeating the patterns for my kids. I want yeah. my kids to see tactile love, not fighting, not arguing, not your. But then it gets really upsetting because they they don't see like my family really unless it's at the meal or the thing for fucking ten minutes and there's your present and your card. Yeah, and we love you, and then off you you know like. Yeah, but do you not? Not in a, with my family, I prefer um, certain members of our family not to be around my kids. I think just because I'm like, coming round to that. The yeah. drink, it, like the drink, not like as in just having a beer. Like my mum's pretty much an alcoholic, and then when my family gets together, they, they drink, and then it turns. Do you know what I mean? Like as in every time, it'll just get to a point. Someone's going to try and smack someone. Someone's going to. It's like so it's volatile. Yeah, you can't like for my kids to be in a situation where stuff like that's going on. You don't want that. No. Well, listen, Jay. Welcome to Chula Chat Podcast. You've just cracked me open straight away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm really really grateful for your time. Thank you for coming. Um, Jay 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 Zinc Tattoo Shop in Lincoln City, reputable, awesome awesome skills. You're around the world, always learning. As you as you mentioned earlier on, you know, always chasing the next thing, the next thing. <laughs> your paintings, everything. I've had a lot of artwork done at your shop. Um, so. I'm going to ask you about your childhood. <laughs> You've alluded to it. So, you know, yeah. just to give listeners and viewers, you know, you, you can see by the shape here, you're a go-getter, you're training, you're up angry jogging at fucking four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the you're always way. getting something done, learning something, achieving something. You're always on the quest. So how did that happen? And, you know, what was childhood like? You mentioned it was volatile, so take us there. When I was younger, basically, I grew up in, uh, like, a place, Altsby, and it's like, there's, like, a Church of England school will be I used to go to, and when I was really, really young, there was, like, my family was overcrowded in a house, so there was uh, seven of us in a three-bedroom house, so you didn't really get to stay away from anything, and my mum and dad were always arguing, obviously, because there's just no time, five kids, two people trying to raise kids, no help from the outside world, so because it was like that... I used to spend a lot of time on my own and that's where the drawing thing came in. So I would just draw on my own in a room. We used to have a bird aviary in the back garden. I'd sit there and then draw stuff like that. And then I was kind of like back then a little bit of a recruit from my family because I didn't like arguing or bits and bobs like that. But then as I was at school and stuff like that, there was like things started to be a little bit more where I didn't like school either. So or the authoritarian, you've got to do this. I think my mum tried to get us to go to church every Sunday, so it was the whole, you know, the church thing. And as you can tell, looking at me now, I ain't kept that up. (laughs) So because of all that, I was just more, I just didn't like it. And because I was at a Church of England school and the whole, you got to stand it every second of my life, I felt like I was being told what to do. Yeah. And all there was things in my own head, I knew what I wanted to do, I knew my own mind, even as right back being a kid. Some kids that you see, they just, they don't know. Like, they're always like, oh, they, they like guidance. Looking, I, yeah, looking to follow. Yeah. yeah, I always had this mind that was... And my brothers and sisters weren't quite like me, and I always felt then that there were things that were different about me. I couldn't tell what it was. And my dad was always, like, beasting me because he's ex-military. So whenever I did anything, I think, looking back now, he saw something in me and was just trying to mould me mm-hmm. into this thing. So it was kind of like it always apply extra pressure because as a kid I could take pressure as well. So school wasn't good, home life was a little bit weird, so art was where I'd draw every day, sketch, like I used to have like loads of sketchbooks, there's quite a few funny stories, like my dad one day, he went into our bedroom and he went and took one of my art books around to a neighbour's house to show her all these drawings that I'd done that were like in the book because he's dead proud of me being a dad oh, and all that. Oh, that's lovely, and you've yeah. got a nice memory of that then, yeah. obviously. 
Well, when he looked in the back of the book that she was going for, I drew loads of pornographic pictures. <laughs> <laughs> How old would you have been, Jay? Probably at that time, twelve, something like that. Okay. Maybe. And um, your siblings? You mentioned. Uh, so, how? Where are you in the rankings with siblings? I'm you the got, middle one, yeah. And what? So, what brothers? So I've got a younger brother, and then I've got a younger sister, and I've got two older sisters, right. and then a half brother I've never met. Right. So he's supposed to live in Newark, I think, but I still never met him. But. And did you? Were you closer to any one of them in particular, or were you just kind of? <sighs> it was kind of like my older sisters were together, spent more time, and then my younger brother and younger sister spent a lot of time together. That makes sense. So yeah. then. I was kind of like, but I was happy to be. So I'd try and spend like, as a weird went to try and get my dad's attention because I was upset. I used to look up to my old man because he's like covered in tattoos, ex-military. No other man really that I used to see was like him. Yeah. So I was always like, why is my dad different? Full back piece. Like you see all these normal dads going around and mm. my dad would swear all the time. Like, <laughs> aggressive, like in confrontational situations, people would panic around him. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So like, he had an aura presence. Yeah, you it? know, and then that made me like, oh, I want it. So then I'd work with him in his shed or I'd do things I'd follow around I'd be like his shadow a little bit just trying to get but then when I was like that when I was out of line then right, yeah yeah you, know you tasted I mean? it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's an understatement but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then that was kind of like there would be things where he'd be teaching me even as a kid you use your own initiative so like it's the thing that I think is missing a little bit from society today where if there was a problem, he used to say things, A, no such thing as can't, B, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. Oh. And so it'd be things like that. So he'd make each thing that I had a problem, me think about it first, then tell him what I thought. Then he'd tell me to think about it again, and then I'd figure things out. And that was with anything. So I couldn't come up to him and straight, can you do this? Or I like that. Do you know what I mean? So then that triggered this thing. So then I'd always think for myself first. Mm -hmm. And that was, I don't know if it's like a military thing that he'd adopted or what it was, but then... As I grew up, I ended up like, because I took one of his para knives into school as a kid when I was at primary school. And this was a bit of a bad time because um, my brother was at the school. I showed him at dinner time. He said, if you don't give me the knife to show my friends, I'm going to tell a teacher. So they obviously told this uh, teacher, he said, my brother's got a knife. They then took the knife off me. I got stuck to the headmaster's office, Church of England school. Some of my drawings and all that that I've been drawing at the time because my dad did let me watch like 18 movies. Yep. So I was drawing like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles but with their heads decapitated and like stuff from films. So with the knife and everything else, then I had to have a child psychologist come into school. They had to do this assessment on me. They were like saying, is the things wrong, blah, 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 at home and all stuff like that. So then the headmaster used to give me extra lessons or they'd like, he'd monitor me and... He used to be Rusty Saunders, his name was. He was pretty good. That's a great name. <laughs> Rusty Saunders. <laughs> Powerful Rusty Saunders. <laughs> well, I used to, because my artwork was uh, good for my age, he'd, like, get me to draw and spend time. And then he'd, like, I know he was probably assessing what things were like at home looking back now, but he would, like, for instance, instead of having dinner break, when the, the play was on, he'd get me to draw all the background of the the nativity play and then be like downloading like my you know trying yeah. to pick stuff yeah, uh, yeah, yeah at the time i didn't realize what was going on but when it came to the end of school and we left primary school everybody left the class he said jay come here a minute i just want to say so it so i was like what's that and i thought oh i've got it again no doubt i'll end up reading about you in the paper but i don't think he meant for good things. right <laughs> I think right that's what he's saying so yeah. when i left I was kind of like question i asked my parents and then my mum said yeah i don't think he would have meant something for good so there was always that I was always standing up against authority, never doing as I was told. Just if I wasn't doing art or training and they were forcing anything, I'd like assembly. I was like the instigator, you know, like mm. it just, my head's just not like 
everybody else and I've always realised that if you get what I mean mm. and then school was just yeah then I got expelled from secondary school that was like <laughs> what was the story for that <laughs> well it was a c- combination of a lot of stuff so some of it was fighting smoking back then weed in school stuff like that I got suspended for that I had, I had a fight with this lad so then because I'd hit this lad and then uh, yeah they just put me in isolation for a bit so I drew all over the desk got really really mad got caught drinking downtown but my mum, funnily enough... How did you get on with your mum then? My mum, she's like... I think she just... She used to think I was a lot like my dad. And I think because in a way maybe my dad... I spent a lot of time with my dad. And I used to always defend my dad a bit. She was a bit like on top mm-hmm. of me with stuff like that. So in that instance, she kind of like... Caught me downtown drinking alcohol. I said, you've got two options. You go either home with your dad uh, now and your dad can sort this out with you or you go to school. So I went to school <laughs> and then I, was, I got screwed. But then when I got home, she told my dad anyway. So oh, I got like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? That whole, oh, cheers, yeah. dad. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my mum's like, she, her and my dad kind of split up and then she started drinking every day. So she'd like get alcohol, start getting smashed. And then I used to like, because I'd smoke weed, at that time, I used to, like, she caught me smoking weed but agreed not to tell my dad. And I was, like, thinking, Mum's cool, actually. She's not going to tell my dad. Like, because my dad, because he was ex-military, anti-drugs. Anti-drugs completely. Would absolutely. Did he like, like a drink? Uh, no. He stopped drinking. After he left the military, he had a couple of bad nights where he'd been out and there was violence. And then he just said, no, no more. Like, I'll never touch alcohol again. So the fact that my mum was drinking... But he'd had an accident, you see, when he was uh, when I was 13, because I was working on a roof with him. Um, he's an agriculture engineer, so I used to go to work with him every day during the six weeks holiday, just because obviously I was like a shadow. Mm-hmm. And then one day they said, yeah, you can't come into work today. And I said, why not? And he said, because health and safety have been reported that you've been on the roof. So he went to work anyway, and then I got, uh, my mum was going off of her head, because I was like with my mate around his house that day, and she turned up in the car, she said, your dad's fell off the roof, and he fell 40 foot off this roof, landed on his head on solid concrete, was in intensive care for like 17 days. Oh, fuck, man. So then, obviously, I went with him at hospital and they were all like, your dad's going to die, he's probably going to be a vegetable, blah, blah, blah. So it messed the family up quite a bit. How old were you at that point, Jay? 13. So, yeah. And he's your idol. Yeah. He's your anchor in a kind Everything. of... Everything, yeah. Like, I would have probably ended up roof and whatever he had mm. said I would have done at that point. But after the accident, he had metal plates in his head. He became quite a lot aggressive, which is what they said. He made a full recovery, but just a bit more raged. But they said it's a side effect to the injury. And then, uh, yeah, me and him kind of really clashed. My mum and dad started separating my mum. My mum was drinking more. There was a, a funny incident where... Basically, uh, I I probably shouldn't even say this, but we'll see you after. I was uh, in the uh, bath and I was smoking weed at the time, so I was smoking it out the bathroom window and having a cheeky spliff. So I said to my brother and everybody in the house, does anybody want the bathroom? Because I thought I'm going to lock the door on it. And they were all like, yeah, you you can go. We don't want the bathroom. But my dad had had a suspicion that I was smoking weed. So he set this thing up with my brother, which I found out at a later date. So I'd had this spliff out the the bathroom window. Let, I was in the bath, I was like having a little bit of a, you know what lads do in the bath yeah, when they're yeah. having an extra clean, shall we say. Yes. And obviously my old man then, uh, my brother bangs on the door, open the door, open the door. And I think they thought I was smoking weed, but I, I wasn't. So I was like, Mike, to my brother, leave it. And the next thing, my dad came up the stairs, bosh, through the door. I still had like a semi with like shampoo, shall we say, everywhere. Then my old man's just sparked me out in the thing. Oh no. My brothers and sisters are all there in the hallway. They're looking. So I'm like, 
like sparked out, yeah, semi just exposed to fuck <laughs> as a young you lad. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, but the thing is, these are side effects of some of the accidents. He wasn't as angry before the accident, but then because his head had gone, his relationship was breaking down. Loads of people in a small house, not any help from the outside world. So I understand it now as a kid. Don't get me wrong, this stuff was like difficult to deal with. But of course, then all of a sudden. After dealing with all that, like, my mum, she was drinking, so I'd, like, smoke weed with her and give her a spliff and say, stop drinking, just smoke weed, mum, you'll chill out more. And then Dad won't be mad because he used to hate the fact that she was drinking and then she'd sort of like, oh, I'm going to kill myself. And then your dad don't love me, stopped sleeping with me since he's had his accident, downloaded all this. I'm just like, mum, I don't really wow. need to hear this. And yeah. then she's like, one night, God, I'm just going to throw it. I'm like, mum, so... I'm like trying to like say, look, chill out. And I became dead close to my mum and my mum was like, whatever happens when you get older, you need to treat a woman like this and like don't ever be mean to her and all this other stuff. And then I think psychologically when I got older, that affected the way I was with girls in a relationship because I tried to not be like my dad at all in any way, even though I don't think that was the right advice because I became too soft yeah. later on. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, I was yeah. like... A yeah, girl yeah. can do what they want, they can beat me up, they can do this and I'll all, do you know what I mean? So there's the mm. level of what you see when you're younger then affects the relationships definitely when you're older. Mm. But from all that then I ended up getting, <laughs> yeah. So my old man, obviously dead against drugs, he said, I was at work one day because I'd just finished school, I think I was 16, I had a scooter working on the market, he said, come here, um, I found your weed and I thought, he can't find my weed because like, I've got no weed in the house, so... Drove back, I was working like <laughs> a cosmetic store selling makeup. Bricking it. <laughs> so I get in and then I pull my scooter up and then he said, right, Jay, he goes, right, boy, because he used to call me boy when he was mad at it. He goes, are you going to tell tell me and your mum what this is? And he took one of the drawers out of my upstairs things in my bedroom that I shared with my brother. And there was the tiniest little amount of weed that he'd got from the corner. Of oh, the like corner. a little, just a little <laughs> yeah. crumb that just fell out Honestly. of it. Yeah. So then I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that. And then he goes, that's weed. He goes, you think I'm thick, don't you? And all this other stuff, right? But then I was like, no, honestly, Dad, like, uh, I said, I don't know. And I was like, it must be back here and all that lot, like, that somebody's left around there. So I took my motorbike jacket off upstairs. And then my mum's like, oh, my God. Now, bear in mind, my mum knew at this point that I smoked weed mm -hmm. and I'd smoked weed with her. With her, yeah. So she's kind of, like, lying at this point. So she runs upstairs. Duh, 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 my dad does, sorry. Comes back down with my motorbike jacket. He goes, right then, boy, are you going to tell me and your mum what's in this? And then I'd left. This is how thick I was because I was young. <laughs> in my motorbike jacket, I just took off. I had a backy tin that had weed in it. So I was no way out of it. So I was trying it. And then he pulls this thing out. He goes, right then. So he popped it out, and he goes, what's this? I went weed, and he went, get out of this fucking house. So I put you through that fucking window, blah, blah, blah. Then my mum started attacking me, and I was thinking... Your mum attacked you? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, that must have been harsh. Yeah, because I, I should have been yeah, like... Hang on a minute, you're supposed to be helping me <laughs> out. Yeah, wait a minute, we smoke this together. Yeah. <laughs> you remember me saying, why don't you smoke this mum to help dad, so he don't get upset with you? <laughs> so I just took it on the chin, but to be honest with you, because at that point it was just horrible atmosphere, it was freedom. So everybody says getting kicked out is like, really, really, really... For me, man, I was like, I got a caravan in Ingemels. It was the season. I was working on a cosmetic stall. I got to meet loads of girls. Mm -hmm. I was like partying every night. It was like, honestly, my life went from nightmare to <laughs> this is the best thing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I spent two days when I left that day because I had nowhere to go. I slept in like, I went to this, um, it was kind of like a, a shed that was in the village thing. And then I was like sleeping a bit rough in there, figuring mm -hmm. out what to do. Tried to get hold of my mate. My dad took my scooter off me. I had a old, one of the old mobile phones, you know, the bricks yeah. and all that lot. And then managed to, I walked all the way to Willoughby, met this old girlfriend that I used to go out of called Carly. She then phoned Lee. Lee came, picked me up and then ended up 
having one of the best seasons. But at the end of that season, because it all finished, I ended up in a bit of bother in the caravan because I was a young lad. And then, uh, yeah, I ended up getting really badly beat up by this because <laughs> I had this lad living with me and I kept having girls back to the uh, caravan and having these parties because I was young. And the lad that was living with me had slept with this girl and he'd chucked the condom out the window and left it on a thing. And then the landlord's grandchild had picked this used condom oh, up. Oh, dear. I yeah. was in bed and with these other girls. And then he come into the caravan while I was in bed, fucking busting the door, started just beating the shit out of me. Fucking hell, that's all, yeah. Yeah, so then he chucked me into the window, smashed the window, dragged me outside. And then, because it was on like a traveller site, they were like literally just absolutely all coming out, but they were pulling what a paperwork situation. Then <laughs> it was kind of like I weren't bothered. Like again, like because all these bits of trauma had happened to me, a kicking's just a kicking. Like when people at this point, like being hit by a fully grown man when you're a child, really hard means when you get older, you don't like mm. it is what it is. Mm. So I left there, went to Mablethorpe, and then this was one of the worst devastating things because because I'd lost my caravan and I was kind of like I don't know what to do and I had to like walk all the way from Ingerbells to Mablethorpe and I, I was in a bad way then because I'd run out of money. So I had cuts all over my face. I was like, you know, like after I'd been smashed in and then I was like, uh, the, a lad actually that was head of security called John Oliver, he run the security at Ingerbells Market. I would have stayed in Ingerbells after that, but he came up to me and said, you need to leave Ingerbells, yeah. I said, why is that? Then he goes, well, you like your legs, don't you? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you don't need me to explain, do you? He said, just go, right? So because of who I'd pissed off, I had to just leave. Yeah. So I ended up going to Mablethorpe where my sister lived. And then uh, I, f I knew where her flat was, so I went around her flat, but she, she weren't in. So I was like, she's got to be in at some point. And I was trying to like get older people, and I thought, I don't know what to do at this point. Got nowhere to go. Got no money. So I, I just it was like a doorway bit, like an alcove. So I sat in that doorway, and I was like just chilling in there. Started raining. I was like, I'd walked all the way there. I, like stressed out. I'd stole some food from like a, a few shops on the way because I had no money. And I'm not going to lie, I don't want to admit it, but times get yeah, desperate listen, when you're, you're in got, there. You're doing what you got to do. <laughs> exactly. And, and it was like raining. And then all of a sudden, my sister come back with a mate with these two lads. And then they were like, she goes, oh, what are you fucking doing here, you fucking druggy? And then because my dad had told all my family that I was like on heavy drugs, it was weed. But you know, like... Yeah, yeah just, just unraveled into kind of a mad... Yeah. So then I was like, I just want somewhere to stay, Leanne. It's like freezing. She goes, get the fuck off my doorstep. I was like, whoa, really? Leanne, I was like, I've got How did you get on go. with her prior to that then? Oh, nightmare. She's like, because she's somebody that's like the oldest, she's always been quite bossy. Right. And like growing up as a kid, like I used to, sometimes I'd have a mate round and she'd just come round and start smacking me in the head trying to torment me. And I'd be like, Leanne, leave me alone. I'm just, a, my mate would be like thinking, why is this? older girl just trying to hit yeah, this yeah. and then I'd lose my shit pick like the poker up or something run out she'd run out the thing i put holes in the door then my mum would come in kick the shit out of me and fucking fucking hell me. so just i just interject quickly because you've fucking Jesus Christ <laughs> so just I'm just trying to picture your family then was there do you do you have any memories like of like family was there family time <laughs> Did you ever have like, oh, we're all going, oh, Dad said he's coming back on Friday and we're all going to blah, blah, blah for a weekend and we're going, we're going to go camping or we're going to go and do this or we're going to, you know, do you ever have any memories of stuff like that, like being a family and like the, being kind of like loving and stuff? Not the... There was good times, like when it when it was good, my mum would make do that. That's one thing that I've always got to say, like my mum, because they didn't have a lot of money, then like my mum would bake. She did, she was like a traditional woman. She'd be trying to work a job, and then she's got these five kids. And like I'm not gonna lie, I take my hat off to it. I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. Mm. Like hands down. 
So her stress, you can't help when you've got that many kids do that. So she'd do as best as what she could with the money that she got, but then she ran up debt behind my dad's back to try and give her kids things that he didn't know about, which then led to more arguments mm. and more distrust. And then this is why it all got like, I think she ran up like 20 grand's worth of credit card bills behind my dad's back that was against his house. My dad was always like, yeah. but if, it were, if, my, if my dad had his way, his kids probably wouldn't have had things, if right. you get what I mean. Yeah. And she's like, I can't really, they're already going to school. Like, do you know what I mean, I was already wearing my sister's hand-me-downs and shit. So it's yeah. like, you'd have cousins and different people trying to lend us clothes and stuff like that. But my dad was really tight with stuff like that. Like, mm. so he was just like, you make do basically military kind of mind. But my mum was like, she did what she could. And like, I don't, like blame her for anything like it just it was just a bad situation they were two young people that had kids with not no support in a time where they were just like trying to make Mm. what's best make the best of it yeah Yeah. on on a shoestring yeah just fucking it's not it's not but to be honest with you like i said a lot of the things that's amazing about that childhood a is learning to go without be appreciating everything. Yeah. Like, if you've got nothing, then you will always appreciate everything. If you're brought up with everything, then I see people that just, like, they could go to Disneyland with all the kids. The kids would be moaning about the ice cream. As a ch- kid, yeah. if you gave me anything, I would have just been like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm glad I grew up like that with that personality because then anything I wanted from that point, I could pro- progress to get myself. Whereas if you've been given everything and then you've still got to go and get it, you would get, have, like, my daughter... I've kind of done the opposite where I gave her a lot of stuff and now she's in a situation where if she has to go and get it, she's had this good lifestyle. Like my lifestyle was not like, even a McDonald's burger would have been good. Isn't this the dilemma though? Because it seems like everybody who struggles, everybody who struggles, like you have your kids and you go, right, I want my kids to have a nice life and I want them to have things and I want them to be comfortable and I want them to experience. But then there is a, there's a teetering edge of like you've got to you've got to also keep that's something I'm always trying to do with my kids is like a little bit of nitty gritty and want and will and earn it and discipline you know simple things like you know handing one the lads bikes you know chuck it on the floor when it gets to the party like no 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 stand your bike up it's a second hand bike off Facebook market whatever little mongoose BMX 20 quid He's had it for a couple of years, and you get to the park, and like, just you know, as kids do, just get off it, let it fucking. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, stand it up, stand that up, because you know we'll look after that, and in a couple of years' time, if Jesse doesn't have it, we'll sell it, we'll, we'll sell it, and you can have the pocket money. Let's look after things, you know. Yeah. And we don't have a brand new bike, and we don't have a brand new because I try, I think, to try and keep hold of some of that that you're talking about, because it's we live in a time where it is so comfortable now, and it is easy to get stuff. Because can you remember when you was a kid, you were a similar age, right? If I wanted to wear a Superman fucking suit, yeah, I had a pair of blue pajamas that I used to turn inside out, turn them round. I'd draw a Superman suit, sellotape it on. I'd get some of my dad's red briefs, put them over <laughs> my thing, red football socks, and a red towel. Yeah. And that. Now you're going Asda's, and you can get an amazing one for seven ninety nine with muscles and everything. So then what happens is you don't just have the Superman. Now you've got, I go up in their dress up box, and they've got twenty everything. fucking things. And oh, what should we do today? But the fun was making it. Yeah. The fun was like, have we got a red towel? Fucking, I'll go and ask you. You know, and like, we've lost that a bit because we've made things in a weird way better. Yeah. 
but then we're losing some of it as well, aren't we? Yeah, I think like the disposable society, the, when I was like going through hard times, I could never have a takeaway, for instance, and there was a Chinese where I used to live, and I remember like the first time I actually had a takeaway, which my mate's mum actually bought me when I was about 18, something like that. And 18? I, yeah, so I had this like Chinese, and I was like, what? Like, I cannot, like... Keep it in the tray, keep yeah, it in the tray. Don't spill it. Did you know like now, though? When I actually look at, like, stuff like that and you think, I can afford, like, touch wood and everything, I've worked hard, whatever, but I can afford food now, and I can never get that taste. And the the taste comes from your subconscious as well, not just the fact that, for instance, run 10 miles without a drink, then drink that water and tell me if you drink water all day tomorrow, the final glass of water tastes the same as mm, that glass. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So when people go on about, oh, this doesn't taste very good, and you're in a restaurant and I look around and like, I have gone like days without food because it, it, like, I've been in situation. And then I look at these people, or when I've took a girl on a date or whatever and she's like in a moon, she's like turning her nose at or just, you know, like complaining like that's. It's yeah. not that like, I just don't like complaining because... Any situation I'm in now is a million times better than where I've been. And the people that have never been in too bad of situations will always moan a lot. Or if Mm. the life becomes too comfortable. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And you've kind of... One of the things about getting older and then becoming more secure, I think insecurities, which is going to sound mad, are good in a way. If Yeah, I'm 100% with you. If you can summon the strength and the belief to appreciate them and face them and yeah. work with them yeah you've got to have the mindset if you hide from them and yeah. pretend they're not there yeah. and push them back they swallow you yeah and demoralize yeah. you and just fucking make you ultimately old bitter yeah. and, and ungrateful yeah a hundred percent and i think it comes in anything in insecurity that you're not good enough at your work and in like in a relationship if you're all of a sudden, um, you make your girlfriend feel secure all the time, which I'm a victim of, if you're trying to make them feel secure or she's making you, if there's no threat around them that they could do this, you kind of start to take them for, for granted. granted. yeah, yeah, Because yeah. you're kind of like, oh, well, she's kind of like, not that she's mine or she's a possession, but she's always going to be there. Yeah. And sometimes, like, a big shake up in your life making you, like, she might not be there tomorrow. Even the, the realisation that next year you misses could or one of your kids get terminally ill and not be there because you'll take them for granted up until the point and that's kind of like why i honestly think that taking an easy road or having an easy life or having the things that we think that we want we don't actually want because mm. if you have them it's kind of like i don't know like i did loads of travel in one year and i went all over i think i went to 13 countries in one year and if i was to say to you now next year you're going to go to 13 countries in one year that's anybody would be like well yeah, that's amazing Jesus Christ, yeah like you've got to think and one of them times was for a month within that year but believe you me right i found myself uh come november time i was complaining to the girl that worked in my studio saying oh, i'm getting so stressed i'm always on planes i'm at the app could you imagine saying that like do you know what i mean you but, couldn't but that stress though you do find it in anything yeah and we'll get to later on in the conversation i think we'll get to some of the reasons why maybe mindset your mindset feels like it aligns with mine a lot with learning from things like psychedelics where you go to some places that are fucking the teetering edge of the darkest elements of yourself yeah. and when you work through them and you come back and you realize whoa you know like learning in learning in those stressful moments like there is no bliss there is no nirvana there is no like thing like society tells us that we're all like getting the best grades to get the best job to get the best thing to eventually fucking live when you're 60 it's like even if you do that like 
some of the richest people on the planet are some of the most unhappy. Miserable, yeah. Because I think real meaning, which I feel like I'm getting from you now, is like, it's in the quest. It's in the work. And the moment. Yeah, and the simplicity of the fucking moment. I often have moments where I see the kids, whatever. We come trundling through here the other day to to this studio from the house. And um, young Aidan producer is... um, He's a he's a hero to my kids, you know. He's he's because he's like a he's like a young lad, so he, they they're within, you know. They kind of see him not like me as an adult and a dad and all that. So he's like a real fun and in- interesting yeah. guy that comes around. And he, they're in the studio, and I watched all three of them coming out, and even my little daughter who's three at the back, and they're all saying, "I'm going to tell, I'm going to ask Aiden to make me show me how to make a computer, and I'm going to ask him to show me to make a super space rocket." And I was behind him, just watching him trudge down. And they're all skipping through and it was just a Wednesday afternoon or whatever it was. And I just had a little moment where I caught the glimpse of like, this is fucking, this is it. This is it. Just in our humble little home, just us, kids together. No one's fighting. No one's drinking. No one's smashed anything. No one's ignoring anybody else. We're just in this moment and they're just beaming and confident and want to share and I just, it hit me, and I have, I, I've learned to harness those moments. Do you think psychedelics push their moments of gratitude more, though? I, I feel, I think, I feel so, yeah. Yeah, I, I do. Because I, I don't, I think, you don't always see them, to me, as much as after I did DMT for the first time, that that really, really, like, made me, like, because you kind of, like, have to, it, like, pulls you out, and then you get to see, and then there'll be moments where, and it, my missus is good at it if I ever get it, you know, like the the pity potty train or what, the, the blame train or anything yeah. like that. We have these trains that we call them with each other. And if all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, this is, uh, then it's kind of like we don't physically slap, but we're kind of yeah, like... Yeah, you can, rec- can recognise. When it's going on. And if you know that within each other, then it's kind of, it helps the other one to say, and I'll say it to her, she'll say it to me, she'll be like, like, Jay, look. Look at what, and it's kind the of the pattern. Like, the pattern yeah. is developing. Yeah, I can see the pattern. The pattern's coming back. Yeah, and then that helps. But the the one thing that I've realised all these years later, even after DMT, is my mind. Kind of, I have to have like a lucid mind. Like it's like I've I've read loads of stuff on it. It's kind of like some people have uh, they like the routine, and I need routine and structure in my life. But then I kind of like having breaks of just nothing, as in. Some of the most peaceful that I've ever been because of having responsibility as a kid. That some of the traumas growing up. I had a, my first, I set my business up when I was twenty three years old, like I, like literally and like I said, I've been homeless. I've had the responsibility of paying rent since I was sixteen, all the way up. Yeah, so all of a sudden, I went backpacking when I was like twenty four in Asia, and when for the first time in my life, I because I, I had my daughter by then as well. I had a moment where it's like I just booked a flight and went. I didn't even have a hotel, but just you know sporadically what? just said, I'm Fuck, off. throw yeah. caution to the wind, yeah. we are off. And mo- like obviously to a lot of people because they like the routine or the, if they not know him. It was but, scary as hell, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. But that was it's like the rewarding me, thing. It was the same as getting kicked out. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I was like that, and then I was like, whoa, I'm free. I don't have to answer. I ain't got to worry about bills. For this period of time, I can just go with the flow. And there's a thing, and it's it's like a Taoist belief. It's like the 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 moment, which is like what you was saying before, is for me to be fully happy. At times, I have to like go away and just get in the moment. But sometimes, I have to get away from my routine mm. and go to a completely different. It could be in the UK anywhere. It could be whatever. But also, just not having anything planned. Cause my missus, she's I love her to pieces. She's a planner. She'll yeah. plan what yeah. we're having for breakfast down yeah. to what time. She has like a list. She yeah. loves it. 
Like mm. I get that, and that's how you get things done, and I completely mm. respect it, and it's everything else. She's amazing at it, but she will try like what I call a Thomas Cook holiday, or where when we've got time off, she'll have to plan that as well. Or and for me, just let it be. Yeah, like if I'm away, I don't want nobody telling me what to do, how to. And it's like the same thing as being a skit. I have to have a lucid, free mind, mm. like, and that's how I am happy. Whereas mm. other people, like I said, they would want to go on, on a cru- like a cruise ship to me. Yeah. Would be my worst Horror. nightmare. Traps. <laughs> yeah, your meals. Oh, the, 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 the cabaret starting. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, it was on last night at the same fucking time. You got it, haven't you? So there's a thing like lucid dreaming. You can live a lucid life. And like a way that like mm. I've been trying to help my missus get into this is um, say if you like get a paradise and then if you, for instance, uh, try rolling a paradise and chancing every decision you're going to make that day onto fate. So say me and you are here now, we're going to go, right, we're going to try and be a bit lucid. We'll roll a dice number seven, so we'll walk seven streets from here, then you roll the dice, and then yeah. you'll talk to the seventh person and introduce yourself or whatever, or you can relate numbers because there's patterns yep. Yep. in the whole world. And there's, yeah. and so if you just go along with the flow and play this game for a little bit, you can have a few beers along the way, but I guarantee you, it's like every night you have that's not planned is always the best night. 100%. You plan any night for months and months. Weddings, the reasons why they're always never that good and like, look at it, like at the end of the night, the people don't even sleep with each other. Mm. They kind of get there, they're both too it's drunk. It's shattered, just, yeah, they? exactly. Yeah, All that build up to the big anti-climax. That 300 pound cake was a fucking waste of money, wasn't it? No <laughs> exactly. contact that. Exactly. It? And it does feel like, I mean, my, my wife and I, we got married, we got married on the fucking lo-fi. We went to a registry office. We took, we just had a right laugh. We had jeans on, I had a pair of fluorescent green trays is on we said you got any pink floyd mate when we walked down here he said no he said and he had some terrible pop tune at the time i said stick that on mate i'll do and <laughs> we just we just did it that way and then we that got on a plane to thailand and we my eight month old boy we were pregnant we had our second son when we were there and that thing you know bringing it back to i'm up, I'm up to heat <laughs> um bringing it back to like society as we are today I, and you've 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 really reached me with what you're saying because i feel that it's like the things we're scared of which often is ourselves it's like letting go i had a girl on a couple of episodes back hannah green hannah banana and she's an ecstatic dancer she i used to club with her years ago and then she's found ecstatic dance but she went off traveling she she brought a, a young girl up her daughter on her own predominantly Got her through uni. She went through uni. She was like, that's it. I'm off. Everything's sold. Rent the house out. Bought a, a van. Travelled in the van for a bit. Then she was off to Brazil, Peru. Travelled with amazing. Peruvian gypsies, Colombian gypsies. Lived with, you know, she was in the, in the flavelas just partying. And the same thing that I recognise that I'm feeling from you and I've felt from you when I met you in the, in the shop and other people that I kind of, I think, through having my personal... Um, experiences and certainly I keep coming back to psychedelics because they've definitely done something for me where they've allowed me to let go of the perception of myself yeah. and just be yeah. and I recognise that and, and Hannah who went off she, she I, I saw it clear as well she's just like well I just sold that and I just went and yeah. something will happen and there's a line that I always quote and I've quoted it many times in here and I'll do it again now look I'm a Beatles fan massive Beatles fan and I always remember Paul McCartney having an interview talking about the early days when they used to drive up and down the country and they'd all be in the back of this van in like, you know, 
late 50s, early 60s, whenever it was, and they'd be freezing, so they'd be laid on top of each other in the back of this van just to keep warm, and their, their man was driving it, and one night they crashed in a ditch, freezing, middle of nowhere, pitch black, 1960 or whatever, and John and all of them, they were a bit panicking, like, fucking hell, what we're going to do, what we're going to do, and George Harrison, who was always kind of the zen one, wasn't he? Yeah. And he was just like, you know, something will happen, it'll be all right, something will happen. And that, what struck me was not just the line that he said, but Paul McCartney, 50 years later, when he was being interviewed about, you know, how have you kept a level head with the craziest story that we, the hysteria that we can't even imagine. And he quoted that. He said about that that time and that happened. And like, you know, in the end, you've just got to trust something will happen, let go and just be. And yeah. that fucking struck with me. And the people like you and the people like Hannah and the people that I seem to be, they have the it, faith in it. Just trust. You said, like, go off 7th Street. Like, people are scared to fucking death. Yeah. What will the neighbours say? Well, no, but you can't just speak to a... News media, there. It controls school. Mm. They're being told. When you brought up as a kid, and it's like in the system that I saw from being a child, making you all stand in line together. I, I try not to get too emotional on this mm. because I'm passionate about it, and I feel like with the whole pandemic and everything fucking else, hell. it's getting even worse. Everybody's got to wear a mask. It's like... The one thing that I realised through travelling and, like, I have travelled all over the world, touch wood, I'm very, very fortunate. Each country that I've gone to, they control the citizens in a similar way but for their own agenda. So whether or not it's China, whether or not it's Russia, whether or not, wherever it is, they have their own system. Like, instead of Facebook, like, for instance, the Ukraine will have VK. In China, they have WeChat. And I've, I've spent time, not like just going on holiday to these places, but I've being able to like mingle and then then teach me the ways of life and the things and you realize that all the news outlets everywhere has got an agenda and the agenda and the syllabus and all the movies and everything within that culture is structured to what the government is going to do in the future and these kids were kind of like little ants that they're they're needing towards what they want and when you come out of this and step in another one you see how they're being then you step into another one and you see and there's only select few people that get an opportunity to touch wood through hard work that to have them breaks and to realise. And it's kind of like terrifying because to try and wake people up and say that this is going on and stuff like that, a lot of people like that routine and that norm and that plays into each system around the world's perfect thing. But mm -hmm. to actually sit there and think that the people in this country hate us or these people yeah. are really bad or the things that you're told, if you go to here, this is going to have... Once you actually, like, like you said, you've done it, and the, that girl, obviously, she. Once you go in, and then you meet these people, they are no different to us. Yeah. It doesn't matter what religion, whatever. You might see the media saying this, that, and the other, but you can pretty much go anywhere. And as long as you go there with a good energy, smiling, being happy, that's all people. Want. You're all going to be greeted back the same. You go around there frowning, angry, like, yeah. what do you think you're going to get? What you project is what comes back to you. So, it's one of them things where the fear mongering and that is keeping us boxed in our houses. The fact that they're reducing travel now, all of it. I just, I really, really worry for my kids, you know, like not being able to see and have the life I've had. Even though it's sad, you've got to have, to have good ups, you've got to have the deepest downs. Yeah. And I, as I want my kids to have bad downs so mm. I can help them and watch how they go through it. But obviously if they have that, I know they're going to have high ups. Yeah. You can't have the ups. You've got to have the down. Yeah, 100%. Alan Watts, powerful Alan Watts on this podcast. If you, if you, if you want to say, powerful Alan Watts, um, always another thing stuck with me, real simple. With, without darkness, the stars they do not shine. You can't, you can't yeah. see them. Like he's just Black so many simplistic. Yeah, yeah, just like you know, oh, and he laughs. Oh, oh. He just chuckles his way through how simple it really is. Yeah. If you can get down to the raw material of yourself, and you've nailed it there with media, the way we are. And I just did a 
podcast with a guy called Darren G. It's a big podcast. He's a Liverpool lad and it's gone viral for us and it's kind of put us on the map and things are moving and I'm ever so grateful to him. And not dissimilar to you, actually, his his kind of um, background, you know, volatile, big, busy house, you know, a lot going on, trauma. But he, he was saying as well, like, you know, if we don't like, um, if we don't own ourselves, if we don't, if we don't, believe in ourselves and take responsibility for ourselves we just get sucked into the system and sucked into the the status quo of everything and then the pressure that comes with that is just like well you don't want to you know be the only one in the street who's not wearing the mask yeah. or whatever and even though you might feel it and this is something i'm feeling now with the kids i mean you mentioned the kids at school they weren't allowed to my one of my little boys he's only six they're only like year two it was someone's birthday they weren't allowed to sing happy birthday the kids in their oh. little bubbles, they were not allowed to sing happy birthday. Like they would normally go, oh, it's, it's, it's Darren's birthday. Let's sing happy birthday to Darren and they'd all sing it. And this time the computer sang it and then they sort of go, happy birthday, you know, they go around one by one and like, you know, happy, happy birthday, Darren. And I was like, do you understand what that is doing to their understanding, their imprinting of what it is to be an engaging, participating, learning Human. bundle of fucking energy that is just learning that you stay away you you know all this crazy stuff that's happening in a minute is it's it's scary for kids really really scary and like you can try and protect and then tell your kids obviously not to worry and everything else but they are going to worry when they see so many other people out worrying if you get what i mean yeah yeah like i'm not saying like this virus obviously could be real like like, i'm not saying it's not i don't know i'm not 100 percent. i don't know enough about it to state it but the one thing that i do know is if it is this bad then it's like i've never known a virus that will decide like it's okay not to go into a restaurant where there's more people but i'm gonna go on a bus or do you know what i mean like Mm. it's the first virus i've ever known that like has these special locations that kind of can't go so if if this is as bad as what it is, the way that they've handled it with what rules they say, what you can and can't do, and how it's all got so confusing, that's why I think there's so many questions, which is why so many people are doubting what's going on. And it's kind of like, to me, like, I'm a big believer in, like, my body. If I get ill or cut myself, I, will, I would, like, if I felt a virus, I only use tablets when I get really, really desperate. Or if I feel like I've got the flu, I will probably try not to go to the doctors. It's just, like, old-fashioned. My dad was military. That's the way he raised me. So if the coronavirus is real, I feel like I would all, I almost not, this is going to sound weird, but I kind of want to get it to kind of see how my body reacts, to see if it builds up its own antibodies naturally and everything else. Now, the way the media's portrayed it is in like you're selfish if you kind of get it or pass oh, it yeah. on or do whatever. Yeah, yeah. It feels like there's some sort of bribery going on within the media is in like if they bring out a vaccination for it, which obviously eventually is going to come. You should have the choice to take a vaccination, I think, 100%. The same as it's your body. Your body is connected to the earth and it's made up of everything around it. So if something becomes compulsory, then that's when this whole thing will become more relevant to me and, like, make me, do you know what I mean, get more anxious. But at the minute, I don't know if that's a thing, but it feels like you're going to be bribed into taking the vaccination for your freedom and liberty. Yeah, exactly that. That's what, like, scares me. Like, you can travel if you've had this. You can go into a pub if you've had this. But the way I see it is if I don't want the vaccination, say I stay in and agree to have a year indoors while they get the vaccination out, that's it. So everybody else can have it. Then if they've all had it, what's the problem with me yeah, then yeah. coming out and yeah. not having it? Because I'm the only one that's going to get it then, aren't I? Mm. 
And that's my stance. I, I just don't think... Except I don't you're probably not going to get it, Jay, because you've got a positive mindset. You, you're actively looking after yourself in terms of your physicality, your train, you're, you're working on relationships, you're working on yourself, you use introspection, you're trying to be a better version of yourself, you're trying to take responsibility for yourself. This might be a bit woo to some listeners, but I believe this wholeheartedly. You know, If you are lucky enough to stay out of the, the hands of like debilitating disease... You know, things that we do know that, like, you know, have got solid history that can, you know, get you, for instance. If you're lucky enough to stay outside of that and you you live by a positive mindset and you look after yourself and you're healthy and you watch what you eat and you're just mindful of, like, and grateful to be a healthy human being, that goes such a long, 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 long way to, like, not being caught out because you convince yourself you end up being a victim to this thing because you're just imprinted with it so then you become it you hear it you hear it you hear it you are it yeah do you know what i mean and it's not i don't think it's a coincidence you know that the this this thing that we're in now like you you allude to the the moral the moral kind of obligation that's being pushed on us yeah you it know, started from the start. It that, was like that in the creates background. stress. Yeah. That creates, the, you know, somebody who might think, oh, actually, when I wear the mask, I, can't, I, I don't feel like I can breathe properly and I don't even know what this mask is made of and it, it's really uncomfortable and it makes me feel anxious and, you know, and I don't, you know, I, I, I don't want to wear it. I don't want to wear it, but they will wear it. And then because they're having that battle with themselves and they're not allowing them to trust themselves, yeah. that then starts to give them yeah. some kind of strange feedback that isn't healthy. Well, I think like your one thing through doing psychedelics and everything that like learning to listen to you got a voice inside your head. Most people have two as well. But <laughs> you know, like this voice, if you actually listen to it, it's giving you answers and uh, there's like a gut feeling. But then I did well after I did DMT and I smoked it for the first time. The feelings that you get inside, like your gut feeling, becomes stronger and more connected with the things around you, and it's kind of like that gut feeling is how I feel like we're connected to the earth, and I think that listening and being able to understand that gut feeling is and you should always go off that gut feeling because i feel like whatever's there is giving you that the Mm. same way as google gives you an answer through the internet or anything else it's just google in a way in the internet as it's growing that's trying to take away your subconscious the people that are in power trying to tell you how to feel and because most people well, they told me to do that, so I'm going to do that. My friends done that, so I'm going to do that. Everybody knows how to listen to everybody because that's all we've ever been told. Everybody can get Google and like ask Google for the answer. But when do you just fuck it all off? Sit there. Are you like, sorry, I don't know if you are swear, but yeah, you go. And you, then you, uh, go for your you life. just actually have a moment on your own and then listen to yourself. Yeah, because sometimes five minutes away from life, bit of meditating, bit of I don't know, just a, a, I call it J time or yeah. whatever. You know, like if you have that, the voices is an old tradition where they'd say we'll sleep on this and we'll come up with the answer in the morning. And mm. sometimes there's so much going on that you just don't actually listen to yourself. And then you, you I used to. Oh, he's told me to do that, so I'll do that, and then if it goes wrong, I can then blame him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or yeah. Her yeah. For you, me. you kind of got that. Di- you got that distance yeah. where you can like be. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I mean, I've been going camping a lot. I've been going wild camping. I've been taking the kids. So even coming back to what you were saying earlier about keeping the kids, you know, never mind COVID, but keeping the kids just in line with discipline and earning something, and it's not just a click of a button away and whatever. Yeah. You know, like so I've been going and having that that time you talk of, like unplug, let go. Don't even know where we're going. We've just got a backpack. We've got the water. We've got the sleeping bag. We've got the tent. We've got some food. And we're going that way. I know there's a waterfall somewhere. I don't know where, but we're just going to walk and we're going to get where we're going. And we're doing that. And the kids have have started loving it. And we just end up 
having the most meaningful beautiful there's a little place i go locally actually when we when we when we don't want to go far there's a little wood locally that i go to and i go with another family a lad who's been on the podcast dave mcgregor he's lovely and he's taught me sort of the wild camping side of things you know like and his family and our family go and we end up in these little woods and that moment i said when the kids were coming in here and i just have those moments of gratitude and kind of really just laser focused on like this simplicity i've had those in the woods with their family and our family and it kind of worked as two things because I had that moment like this is beautiful this is it this is just us in the woods with a fire and some food and some marshmallows and the kids are running around you can hear their voices bouncing off the trees they're playing with shit they're just totally engaged man it's getting dark they're in the dark they're in the woods they're not bothered they're in you know they're not scared because they're here and they're actually doing it they're not hearing people just talking about the dark but then I was having a moment recently where I started to feel like this might be like like the future for some people like me where eventually the mask, the fucking gloves, the the vaccine, like this is what you'll have to do. You'll just have to literally unplug on a Friday and just get, get out, out into yeah. the wilderness to be just you. to be. And that is what we're doing anyway and it's what they've done from, you know, the age of time. We've just been making things and making things and making things easier and more comfortable and more efficient. Cities compared to like living rural, it's like the thing when it, a convenient life and when something's quick, it's like time and patience produce gems. And sometimes something that takes your time will give you the best reward. And like going to Mackey's and buying a burger, yeah, it's handy because it's quick. But you actually go in and then making your own mints, doing this thing. That, do you know what I mean? The burger it gets mm. back to that thing, what we were saying before. I think, like, the future of it all, I don't like the way that it's going to go with, like, if, for instance, artificial intelligence robots start taking over jobs, everything's more and more easier. I kind of, like, realise that the struggle is the bit that I enjoy, so it's, like, going and then doing things. Earning it. Yeah. Just fucking earning it. it. Plain old, yeah. like, I fucking had to sweat and grind and it was difficult, and yeah. but I got it. Yeah. I got it, and now we've got it. That's it. That's So you, you've alluded to DMT a couple of times, and listening to the early part of your life and knowing that you've been seeking to better yourself and to find answers, DMT then? Sounds like you've had a breakthrough. Yeah, DMT, like, I've read about stuff six years ago, started doing research because I get, like, obsessive with everything. Like, it's, like, maybe a disorder, I don't know, but I, like, read loads of stuff, started reading books, watching documentaries, kind of like... I'd had problems mentally from, like, a lack of empathy and emotion and excitement. Like, through the stuff that I experienced when I was younger, a big part of me had shut off. It was, like, locked in a box. I couldn't feel things normally, so coming up to any situation in my life I could deal with something so tragic because my emotions were like so locked inside so it was like oh this has happened something's burnt down oh but then when I got something good it was the same I couldn't really so I tried doing things and started realizing our problems things that I was saying seemed a little bit like people were like Jay that's you do know that's crazy and then because people were like giving me these yeah things. yeah feedback yeah, I was like maybe I have I need to start and then I started training excessive they were like you doing stupid amounts of training Jay like you're working seven days a week you get up in the morning you're training seven days a week you're on these stupid diets where you're basically just hardly eating anything and it's like you need to you're up all night you're painting at night time you're tiring do you know what I mean it's like they're like you kind of look like you're gonna like self-destruct so i started getting sleep deprivation so i tried doing acupuncture to get me to sleep and therapy that kind of helped me sleep a little bit but the idea is you meant to open up to get this emotional thing and i just couldn't really mm. so then i was having like problems i was getting up in the middle of the night and i felt like i had some 
weight on my chest. I thought I'm having heart attack, so I had to go to the doctors. They said, you need to go on these beta blockers. Well, we said to me at the time, beta blockers stop you getting erection. Well, having sex is one of the things that chills me out. So I was like, I don't know if I want these. So I tried taking them, tried jogging in the morning, and I like collapsed while I was jogging because your heart rate can only get to a certain amount. I did cardio every day, so I pied them off. And then I did some CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. I read books on it, started doing all the exercises. And that kind of helped me understand my mind a bit, which yeah. then I started reading and reading on psychology, understanding the mind. Why, you know, lessons that kids should have mm. right in school. It's all right, you're being given Off the knowledge. The bat, yeah. yeah, but you need to know how, why and the how. The human it function. Yeah. Diet, food, your body, <laughs> exercise. Yeah. What you know? That's really you should learn about that before the London Tower. Burning yeah, down. exactly. Or anything because you do the three point system. Your brain can only think in the future, in the present, or behind. And just that, just that bit alone, then it makes you. Oh yeah. So then this is how we plan. This is how we. None of that. Like when I was, it was like, come by Armour Lord. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. So every single him in the thing. But what good's that? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's the agenda again. But. When it came to all that, I kind of tried everything and there was still something missing. It wasn't quite doing what it was meant to do. So this stuff, having my emotions locked away and then this weird, I need to prove to the world, like, because of the things that I had to overcome was almost like I'd been ripped off. So it's like everything that I do in any trauma gave me this, like, fuel to then just work harder and work harder. So, But I'd had so much trauma that I was able to do so much, <laughs> which was good. But then if you want to die at the age of 35 over a heart attack, then that's like the thing. So I knew I had to sort it. So I looked into this ayahuasca and then it was saying that like people that have got or feel disconnected or stuff like that, then they can do this and it opens things up. So then I was all meant to do it until the pandemic kicked off. And then this year I was meant to go and then obviously the lockdown, no flights. And that is that going down to South America then? Yeah, and, to and Literally in the jungle and doing yeah. a foot, that ceremonially full, doing yeah. it, where you, you purge and you do yeah. all Yeah. Oh, I had all the meal plans sent, not allowed to eat this, not allowed to eat that. No, yeah. like you couldn't even have a wank for basically. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so I had it all, everything was going good and I was going to join the group. This happened, that got locked and then... All of a sudden, from one way or another, I'd uh, somebody had messaged me, and then I, I found a way of being able to do it, and then uh, so I ended up doing it, and it was like a vape pen, and I smoked this DMT, and like life changing. Like trying to explain it is is no words, but like you kind of I, when I describe it, it's not very good because I say to people, it's like experiencing your own death, being shown things, everything that you you should be grateful about could be taken away from you at the moment that you smoke it. Then you get, if you do enough of it and you do it correctly, then you go through to this other realm where there's like a female presence that gives you lessons on life. And then these lessons are so beneficial to you that then when you come back into your body and you're back in the real world, you can take these lessons and adapt them to your life. And the lessons I was given, she was like, it was like a female who come up to me. She like looked in my face and then she was explaining to me like how all time is just goes on forever and that we're just a, a moment of time and a feeling energy that goes on and it felt like I would not that I don't want my life but it was that good that if I could have stayed there I would is that's how mm -hmm. good it was mm -hmm. but obviously the DMT only gives you that brief moment and she took some trauma out of me was explaining that that I was attached to me and then when I came back in the room and I was back as myself I felt like completely different and the only way I could probably describe it is um have you ever walked into a room and you just know people have been talking about you yeah but so when you do that, you don't hear the words, you don't even know what they're saying, but that 
energy you walk into tells you something. Mm. Like if you know where you're like, oh, I don't know if I've left the gas on or something. There's mm. like that gut energy that radiates around us. So when I came back into my body, that was magnified by 10. Like there was hardly any of it as in like I was so shut off through work and everything else, life. There wasn't any radiation to radiate something, to, any to pick up yeah. the energy. And so my missus was like in the room at the time. She was like going, are you all right, Jay? Trying to ask me as I come in back into my body. Now I could feel, it sounds weird, but it's not like you're telepathic, but it's kind of like you can feel what they're feeling that strong. You know what they're thinking. That's probably the best way to describe it. And my brother was in the room as well. And so I could feel she was like, are you all right, Chana? But she was absolutely thinking I'd actually died because it was mm. like, mm. and then I looked around at my brother and my brother was like looking a bit sinister and smiling. And a little bit of him was kind of hoping something bad would happen to me. There was really? like a bit of a weird you energy. Think so? yeah, yeah, easy. And then all of a sudden we come back into the room and then I sat up and then I was like, wow. And everything and you meant, uh, obviously not meant to do it that many times. I think I did it six times the first time. The first time, yeah. you went six times in. Six and times how long in. were you, I mean, for, for, for viewers, for listeners, DMT, I mean, when you have a breakthrough experience, you kind of, you can be anywhere between 10, 20, 15, 20 minutes. 20 minutes, yeah. yeah. But it feels like longer than that Fucking when you're in It feels like eight lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And the fact of the way that it goes in, and so because I've done it so many times now, it's like uh, get breaking throughs because I do this weird thing as well, like is body trying to improve. I have cold shower therapies and I meditate every single morning. So I always have a freezing cold shower for health benefits. And so I practice my breathing every day. So when I did the vape pen, you've got to hold your breath for 30 seconds. Me being able to break through because I practice my breathing was easy. Mm. But if you're not very good or you don't know or because of the harshness of the throat, it's, it's quite hard for yeah. some people to get there, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what I would do is I would, um, I would well, I wouldn't recommend because only ever do it if you want to do it or you're yeah. into it or you've done your yeah. own research. But I would definitely think it's uh, probably the best experience other than my kids being born. Mm. And I was, when I met my missus, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I know what you're saying though as well, Jay. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily an out-and-out experience like maybe people think of recreational drugs the first time they went out and partied and had that kind of euphoric thing. There's, there's elements of the euphoria. There's elements of the other. There's elements of the, literally, the psychedelic, you know, the hallucinogenic, the, the something other that isn't measurable and, you know. But I think you've, you, you've said it in that it's what you bring back. Mm -hmm. it, it changes Lessons. you. It changes, like, opens up. Or, or I've I've tried to explain it like it's almost as if you get you know like sometimes when you know the closest I think we get to it in 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 the cold light of day in life is when people die. Yeah. So somebody dies and all of a sudden time slows down and we realise I should have gone to see him. I should have spoke to him more. We should have done more. Why didn't we do more? Yeah. And it's almost as if you're raised up and you can see everything and you can see the slack, you can see the waste, you can see where we haven't done what we should have done. Yep. But then that little bit of mourning happens and you just come back yep. down and then you're in the woods again, you know, and then you can't really, you know, and you're back grinding. And I feel like when I, I've had those experiences coming back from things like DMT where I'm trying to, trying to explain the feeling of change in me, not just, oh, this is where I just went and this is what happened, but like something has opened up in me something a bit of me that was locked off or a bit of me that was blocked or whatever it is is opened up and it's almost as if like you're shown you're shown and, and we mentioned earlier it's not words it's not language it's not whether it's male or female feeling it's not even a male it's it's 
it's energy, it's feeling, it's in instinctive yeah. knowledge. And it's almost as if you're being shown some behind the curtain of existence. Yeah, of, easy. Of, of, of life, of connection, of this, like you put it, the moment in time. Yeah. It's just a moment in time and it's so difficult to try and make that make any sense yeah. if you haven't experienced that. But the profound thing is all of a sudden you find yourself less judgmental, less judgmental of yourself. Yeah. You know, stress levels, you know, the way you're measuring things and make you value things that are, me you know, meaningful or not meaningful or just abundantly become clearer and clearer. That like, and, and when you start to recognise that, you become looser and lighter yeah. and people More. start recognising it from you. Yeah. He really chilled out, you know, like you seem really, you know, and you like just... Radiating the better energy because yeah. you got rid of the baggage. But mentally. it sounds bonkers because what do you mean you smoke some fucking, you know, you're fucking druggy. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, to try and say it, like, you've got to be open-minded and you've also, I think, you've got to have a level of trauma, I think, within you to be able to uh, do the breakthrough. Like, I think... If you love your life, then you, you you like being in control because you've got control of everything in your life. So when you're in control of everything around you and you, you love that, people that tend to be a bit like uh, depressed, using alcohol, drugs, cocaine, they're doing things to escape their reality. Mm. So those people that have got, had some sort of trauma are already trying to get away. And so when you give them DMT, they're able to break through in an mm. easier way. Mm. If you take somebody who's perfectly healthy, perfectly normal, loves their life, loves and you try to let them have that experience. I don't think that that experience would necessarily always be because they've already got what the, we yeah, want. Yeah, they're not, they're not seeking. Yeah, yeah we, they've already got what we're trying to get from all the, for the, yeah. you know peace. what I mean? They've got it, yeah. Yeah, in some kind of just peace. Yeah. Yeah, the see, the seeking of, of trying to fill the void or repair the hurt or fill that gap, that's something that's missing. Yeah, I mean, ayahuasca, which is the... the the orally um, sort of consumed version of it, isn't it? Where they yeah. mix the two plants, the vine and, and um, I forget the other plant's name, but in, in the in the jungle in Peru, yeah. predominantly, and they mix it and you drink it and then it's a different, that is like a more like a six hour yeah. kind of like long, long, hard look at things. Yeah. But even even when they're doing that, you know, like the people that I I read and that I see and when I watch documentaries and everything I hear, read, learn about it is, is like, yes, people seeking to f heal, yeah. to heal. And somehow that is is helping them. And if they've twigged it or they've gone after it, I th and I've read stories as well where people it's become a bit cool now as well. It's a yeah. bit cool. It's a bit fashionista and, you know. Yeah. And some of those people that seek it, you know, to sort of tick it off, don't seem to have the greatest time, no. you know. And then maybe that first or second time when they have a horror, if they do stick with it, yeah. then they'll start to learn something. That it, yeah. That's what it seems like when I read those accounts. Yeah, it's, like yeah. it's a surprise at first. They're kind of like, ah, and then, well, whoa. Sometimes as well, if, if you're like, uh, you only see things very much just from your own perspective and that's all you ever see things, the fact that doing something like that makes you sometimes see yourself and you think, whoa, I am an arsehole. Mm. <laughs> like, Buddha, that's the Buddha thing as well, which which ties in with that for me, the psychedelics, the kind of that Eastern philosophy of n know yourself as others know you. Yeah, rather than how you think you know yeah. yourself. Oh, yeah, I know, I've got it down. I'm, you know, I'm hard working, I'm training, I'm yeah. fucking working. I've, I've made, you know, I came from shit and I made it good. You know, I'm doing all right, I'm doing all right. Yeah, but you're a bit harsh, mate, as well. Like, you're a bit, you know, like, and if Very you can, true. that's what the psychedelics do. You can kind of almost watch yourself. Yeah. 
And then you start thinking, fuck. Yeah, I need to make some apologies. I need to go up to some people, ask for some forgiveness, see if There's loads of things. There's things, anything from my childhood and then being able to understand anything my mum and dad did, it was, I don't blame them. I'm glad that they're my mum and dad. I love them, like, profusely. I wouldn't have said that, like, that long ago, but, like, the reality is, is anything they ever did was because of their own journey. Just trying. And so they all they did, if I was in that situation and I was on their path and I had their experience, I'd do exactly the same. And that's what some people, we're no different from each other. It's like serial killers, like you might judge a serial killer, but if you'd have been locked up in a room, sexually abused by your dad, beat up every day, then when you're 16, you are probably going to kill someone. Mm. So for us, it's bad the act that they do, but it's a circumstance of a combination of not just one person, but usually the parents and then the people from before that. It's like seems to be a couple of generations of breaking down. Do you see what yeah, I mean? And then it yeah, produces yeah. the final act. And then mm. from that, they then can't have kids. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's like instead of the death of somebody and then that being the end of a generation, there tends to be the trauma that builds up leads to this and then it affects some other people's lives. And then that trauma then, whereas if you actually look at it and DMT itself, make sure like every last little thing that we do manifests like the butterfly effect, the movie. I don't know if you've seen it. So. Yeah. Our job, or my job, which was a lesson from the DMT, is to take every bit of anything that comes my way and just switch it positive, because I'm able to do that. And, like, before I got to the point where so much was going on, I kind of was neglecting that and not always being. And So that that's the thing, and, and it's kind of like I do like a level of stress. And the girl that works for me, Nikki, and my missus and my daughter, they'll say that, like, Jay, you search for stress, and it's kind of like... I I don't know, it's kind of like if things are bad, then I feel comfortable, if you get what I mean. Where if things are going all smooth and everything's great, and I think DMT, after you've done it, helps you like both sides, stressful sides and relaxed sides. Whereas without DMT, if life's comfortable, I'm agitated. Mm. So I needed that to Mm. kind of... To show you the balance. Yeah. To offer you the balance, yeah. I, I... Alec, um, Aidan and I often talk about, as, as do Alex and I, my wife, I'm similar. She'll say to me, God, you're always pushing, you're always, you know, you, 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 you never, you, she doesn't say, it's like you're never happy, but you're never satisfied, you want to yeah. do the next thing, you've just done amazing, you've just spent however long doing that thing in there and you built it up and, and I'm like, yeah, but you know, that could be better and we're going to go, you know, and she's like, just, you know, like stop and, think yeah and and like enjoy it for a minute yeah. you know and you do i do have to remind myself and but i'm getting better at that now and especially with the kids you know just seeing them and realizing how quick it's going realizing yeah. how fast time's going crazy do you know what i mean my daughter's 15 now like this year so jesus and mm. it's like i remember changing her shitting happy and like it's like, like <laughs> yeah. yeah she gives me advice it's like crazy like i brought her up and she's just at the point now where it's like anything that like I'll have a conversation because I've made her aware of society I've took her to loads of places and I've even like got her involved taught her about DMT because I honestly think DMT and her understanding the level of control through schools and everything else that if they're aware of it with the internet then it's kind of like not a superpower but it's something that kids really need to know Mm. because if they do just go along to the system then they'll just be that Mm. do you know what I mean disregard anything that's just not not the normal. Yeah, just not in that mainstream sort of narrow, rigid, yeah. locked-in structure. Yeah. I've got exactly the same policy with, with my little kids. You know, like, even now, there's things that, that, you know, most parents would frown upon Yeah, in the way that Alex and I sort of talk to them, expose them to, you know. They would 
if you were to read a headline or see a picture or whatever, would people, you know, there'd be issues. But we have that policy of like we try and expose them. Like they're going to go and especially now, kids have got phones at God knows whatever age. They're going to find everything at yeah. some point. It might be behind the bike sheds. It might be down the field. It might be, you know. So we just find the moments, you know, through culture, which is often good, through films and stuff. We we'll watch films. Something might happen in a film, a storyline, and it might be. When I was a kid, it'd be like, right, turn this off, turn this off, because oh, no, 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 no. Whereas I'll say, look, you know, I'm not talking about gore or violence or stuff, but I'm talking about human experience, you know. Yeah. And I might pause it and say, look, this, what's happening here, guys? You know, and I'll get down on their level and I'll, you know, engage them and I'll explain to them the the the, the, the actual scenario of what's happening. Yeah. And try and offer it to them in a way that they can break down. Yeah. And then we'll go again in the film and it might be we pause again and then I'll come back to it, you know, and we'll just find it naturally because yeah. I don't ever want to feel like we're just on them. Yeah. But I can see it in them that, like, their worldliness, is opening up. their awareness and their confidence, coming back to what we said earlier about belief in yourself. Yeah. No, I feel like this, so I'm going to do this. Yeah. But in balance because we're with them and we're yeah. encouraging that. We're encouraging them to be... Because we're not scared of being the odd ones out in the street, you know, who... Everybody else goes, oh my God, you know, that, you know, because that's fine. Hi, Mrs. Brown, how you doing? Yeah. You know, I know, you know, you think I'm a crazy tattoo dude who just <laughs> is all, you know, unconventional. That's fine, we are, but we're nice. And, you know, if you loosen up a bit, you'd, we'd, you'd be all right. You wouldn't yeah. have to, because you're the one carrying the weird energy about me. Yeah. Because you've got this picture of me that you've made up in your head because yeah. I'm different looking or I'm doing it different to you. So then you're carrying this weird weight. Where if, you know, if we just actually engaged, you might not do it the way I do it, but you'd realise, oh, no. He's actually all right, sound. just all right people and they just yeah. want the best. And that's, that comes, doesn't it? I think it's the generation as well a little bit. But when it comes to parenting, like with my daughter, like luckily through tattooing, uh, one of the things my old man drilled into me as a kid, he always says, you listen to people who are older than you. You just, no matter what, you just respect him. Like, respect and elders. So I've always had, growing up, uh, anybody who, the oldest man in the room I'd listen to the most. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if he's road sweeper, whatever. It's just, to me, it's about his situation could have been whatever. You don't know looking or judging what is closed, but he'll teach you more. Yeah? Yeah. So I'd kind of like, I've always had that attitude. And some of the parents that I listen to and stuff like that are the best parents, I think, when I got older. I took on their parenting strategy when it comes to like my daughter Faith. So the, I think being a parent, you're an observer and you're a helper, but you're definitely not a controller. And there's a level when it comes to parental where they take too much control. So with my daughter as guidance, I've, I've to get her to trust me and like me and, and understand me as a person and me like her, I always say, because you know as a dad, you'll tell her, two outcomes so when she comes up to a challenge you say if you do this this is going to happen but if you do this this will happen so, and then you give them the choice yeah. you don't say don't do that you're not doing that educate you, them yeah and, and then, then you say, so, make it's up your to you. and if she makes the wrong decision you have to let her go she fucks up it goes bad then you're there for her and you say well next time that bad lesson is the best thing because she learns to trust you more she and mm. then if you if she doesn't and then she's but you know that she has to make them bad decisions like, and the the more that you do that, like, the older that I'm getting with my daughter, the more she's started, like, seeing things. She's, like, become closer with me, and it's You've it's got open dialogue. You've, you've created the open dialogue, the trust, that yeah. whatever happens, if it goes wrong, I can speak to my dad. Yeah. It doesn't matter how wacky it is. Like, my dad's open-minded. Yeah. He's not going to judge me off the bat. He might not be fucking happy, to be honest, about <laughs> this one. But I can tell him. That is the most important thing we'll ever give kids. And listening to your childhood and, and, and knowing mine, that's, and 
young Aiden is um he's my stepdaughter's fella partner. Yeah. She's 20 now. She was one when I came into her life, right? I adopted that with her. I knew even at a young age before I actually knew this, I was subconsciously just going against everything that I had been brought up in. And so me being told, you know, make sure you're doing it all right in front of the neighbours and make sure, you know, you, you, you please and thank you and all the right things, but in the wrong context and in the wrong, without the love, without the nurture, without the dialogue, I could never go to my mum and speak about anything. No. And as I got older, she's like, you never speak to me, you never tell me anything and we'd be fighting, where are you going? And I, you know, and it, well, the damage is done because we have never shared anything. Yeah. So when I was bringing up my stepdaughter in the time that I was in her life, I was so aware of just making sure the dialogue was open. There's yeah. nothing that you're going to do that I can be spooked by, you know. It, it, as you've said, we, if we do it three, four, five times, then, yeah, we're going to be, like, wondering why we're repeating the pattern because we've learned the lesson. Yeah. But you can't expect kids to not fucking dick off and smoke behind a bike shed <laughs> yeah. and fuck off and nick this and do that. It's going to happen. Yeah. I know that's going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. I'll talk to you as a five-year-old and go, you know, when you're 10, you're going to be a little bugger and this will probably happen. What, Daddy, I won't do that. I said, well, you might. You know, yeah. and it, it's already... Well, that's like school and parenting. That's what fueled that internally for me, which is why I thought it was different. If they said, right, all line up here, I was the kid. Every other kid would probably stand there. I would be the kid, like, just doing what the hell I wanted. I see it in my sons as well a little bit, like, mm. trying to get them. And I, I encourage it, and it's like, you shouldn't really... Everybody's like, but no, like, let them be free. Use their imagination. Imagination is creativity. Your imagination as a kid is the thing that helps you. It's more beneficial than anything. So when they're saying, stop playing, but write this off a board... In order for you to see in the future, you need to imagine, like, I'm a creative person, I imagine a painting and I can see it, I imagine the tattoo where I can see it, so I have to imagine for it to, and any professor, somebody that's trying to invent some, it's imagination, yeah. so mm. the knowledge that you chuck them, while they're a kid, let their imagination get as wild as possible, because then, when they're older, that's what will give them the things that will, so... When we're in the way that we are now and everything's going the way that it is, it's just... Oh, it upsets me, Jay, badly. Yeah. It upsets me badly because we are just thumping out that. And again, you fucking nail it because adults who seem to be able to still have a sense of humour and find the time to be joyful, it's... What was the saying I hear? It's like they're the children who hung on to their imagination. Yeah. You know, like... By being creative, by and like when you're doing your painting or whatever it is, you know, I I might write a song or whatever, pick a guitar up, get on a piano. I can't play the piano, but I can make a noise on it. But if I get on that piano and just sit there and just tinkle, that 40, 45 minutes, and I, and I might I might I might hit something. It's oh, and then I start building it, and I can imagine like that forty five minutes that I'm gone is just that soul food. Yeah, you know, Easy. it's soul food, and I see my kids doing it now. Yeah. My six year old boy gets on the piano and he's just like. He just starts bashing it around and he started working out rhythm and he started to get a little bit of a pattern and he started to find something and he's just gone. Yeah. And that was why we, we bought the piano. We bought the piano for a pound off Gumtree because I was like, right, just put it there. And see what happens. And see what happens. And fuck me, I, some mornings I'm up, get upstairs getting the office ready and that, and then I can hear the tinkle half seven and he's just gone down, <laughs> gone past the telly. Yeah. Fuck the telly for a minute. Yeah, that's straight it. Straight to the piano and he's just gone, Daddy, Daddy, look, listen to my song, listen to my song. 
That's ace. Putting things there just to... Instead of, like, the TV, the yeah. iPad, the just, you know what I mean? It's kind of like the same. This is giving you... It's the same thing of watching kids watch kids play computer games rather than playing the game. It's yeah. like this generation, yeah. I think, because it's instilled and there's so many... You think of being a child now. Everywhere a kid goes, they see people on the phone. They're always reading. They're always engaged. They've mm. got this thing attached to their face. That's cool. But then it's kind of like when I was in China, they had like a, you couldn't bring a phone to a table and they had like this weird ceremony thing. And the reason they have that is like when you're kind of like uh, at a tea and you only have small cups in China, the reason they do that is because I was like English people, you know what I mean? Like why don't we have a big mug? That's stupid. But we're the stupid ones because each person has to take it in turns pouring the drink. And when you do that, they pour the drink and you tap your fingers on the table. That that means thank you. And because your drink's going to be gone quick and you're all taking it in turns, it means you're all engaged with yeah. the conversation. You're wow. all paying attention. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, so it's there's meaning behind it. And if you brought your phone, you was like looked at like thingy, and I was like, mm. why do we not have that? And mm. the, so when you're in a restaurant or somewhere in China and you see all these people and they're all engaged in this thing and then you come back to England, it's like from the... Mm. literally everybody on the bus everybody on the plane everybody on the thing and they'll they're be in a bar and none of them are actually talking they're yeah. all sat at a table yeah. and I'm just like wow they've got that so right do you know what I mean and yeah. it's yeah. like kids see that and live in our culture they're going to grow up and do exactly the same thing if you get what I mean yeah 100% mate and, and it's infinite growth that's what I come back to like in the west we just want infinite growth work harder work smarter get more yeah. you know achieve more have a higher status Yeah. you know and we don't realise that yeah it's all well and good but if you just stick that iPhone in your two year old's hand because guess what it's really quiet I get a breather. This is really cool. You know, he loves it. He's doing a maths game. He's doing a maths game on it. It's like, well, yeah, that's great. But not really. What's really happening is he's being hypnotised and he's not downloading fields, trees, people, different smells. He's just there. You know, yeah. I was at the park just the other day and I had another one of these epiphanies, although it was one of these, it wasn't so much a joyful one. It was just a, the kids are on the park. My kids are on the park running around. I'm chasing them around. And then my lad, the piano lad, got on the um on the swing, two swings, and he's six, and there was a girl next to him on the swing, sweet little thing, about four, and she's just like this, just with a, oh. not swinging or anything, and my boy was swinging back and forth, and, you know, and I'm, again, this, I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, I'm not judging this, this is me, as we, I think anybody who's got this far in a conversation can understand, we're people trying to understand the environment, to yeah. adapt, to try and be as healthy, yeah. and as understood as we can about it. And I'm looking and I, I'm, I feel I feel for this girl because the people who are putting the phones in, they're not aware of this because they probably haven't read a book about yeah. DMT. They're probably, you know, just not aware of things like how China yeah. congregate drinking tea. Just, just yeah. this is what we do. Well, we're always told our culture's right and China's always told their culture's right and I think that has the bigger thing. So it's kind of like... Tribal. Yeah, mm. very, exactly. And it's... I'd, I think sometimes maybe the people that are running each country should probably have to travel the world themselves first from every country. Well, here's one then. I'll trump that. <laughs> Everybody who wants to go into running anything at that level, at state level, at, at country level, at world level, ought to do psychedelic... Oh, easy. Ought to go off like Donald Trump before he gets that job should like like we used to as ancient times when you would take a position of you know respect or you know you would do a ceremony you would like you you, whether it be psychedelics or just facing the people and you know in this modern day I've heard it said I think Graham Hancock said it before I think it is Graham Hancock I'm thinking of when he said look 
we should set up where, you know, whoever's going to go in for office goes and does 15 ayahuasca ceremonies with shamans and connects to the spirits of Earth and connects to the meaning of what it is to be on planet Earth yeah. and then go into the job. Yeah, yeah. See how you feel then. Yeah, definitely. Easy. But even, that just seems bonkers, doesn't it, to say that? Well, it does. Even if they're not going to do that, the thing that I don't understand about Parliament is we have, like, levels of class from the homeless to the working to the poor, etc. Why is it, instead of one man that's had one life experience make the final, why is it not somebody in Parliament that's poor, that's mm. literally come off the street, that could tell you, with somebody that's saying, that the reason is because... The people that are, like, running the country have more education. They think education is what gives you, like, rights and whether or not you're clever. But sometimes somebody can have a life experience that makes them ten times more intelligent than any education that could be provided. Mm. And obviously life experience. So why is it not that there's just different people from different work and then they all make their decisions together? So instead of it all being to suit these people or these people, it could help you then realise that thing what DMT does that... There's no difference from the most educated man with all this to the guy that's homeless or anything yeah. like that. We've still got a beating heart. It beats in rhythm with every other heart around the planet that beats in the, the connection of the earth that feeds off the energy and everything else. Instead of that, what the, all that they're doing is they're like, this is going to suit this type of person or this or this. And let me guess, we'll create a few wars on the way. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like if each person had that and had a connection with psychedelics and more understood how nature works, then I don't think that it would be like that anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And, and There'd be no wars whatsoever. That's we've talked about that as well. Like, you know, the, the filter system of... And, and intelligence is wonderful because it's required we shouldn't measure everything against it because I think you, you 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 painted the picture before about the gratitude you've got from not having a lot when you were younger and what that teaches you about earning something, about appreciating something, about not taking something for granted. You know, it's not a broad stroke for everybody who's lived a privileged life that they'll never appreciate anything in any way, shape or form and it's neither that for somebody. You know, there's lots of people who lived a shitty life who are just... They don't give a fuck about anything. Yeah, they're just you know what I mean? Yeah, and they just all. snatch it straight out of your hand. Yeah, but there does seem to be a pa a pattern where if we did a wife swap, yeah, do you know what I mean? And Boris went and lived on Tower Estate for six months, <laughs> you know, and they went and lived there. We'd we'd learn a lot of lot, lessons. Oh yeah, that, I used to love that program. As well, well. You, you can learn something because it's yeah. it's it literally is you, you know. You get out of your lane. We've got our blinkers on because this is this. it's hard enough being in your own skin and just trying to work your own shit out and you've got to adapt to it and it takes a lifetime to just work out, okay, yeah. And once you, as you've said, travelling is one of the most abundant and efficient, quick ways of realising, fuck, shit. There's a whole world happening and everybody's different, although they're the same. Because yeah. whether they speak in, the, in a language that I can't even get my head around or they wear clothes that don't make any sense or they, they judge the clock in a... You know, why, yeah. are we, why, are we, why is it not a problem that the bus has not turned up for the third fucking time and everyone's all right with it? And I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, you just realise that, like, the world's enormous and you've got to let go of your shit. Yeah. But we are conformed because we do live here in this little city, in yeah. this country, with this regulating law and yeah. these expectations and these certain you know yeah. values that we culturally again back to covid like the, the the tidal wave of the expectation you've got to kind of be on in in with it otherwise you know because going swimming against that stream's fucking difficult and so how do we how do we fucking come up 
I get off the track we're on, which is just yeah. basically streamlining into disconnected future. We're not yeah. going to be physically, we ain't going to be sat around engaged drinking tea together. We're going to be Zooming each other. Yeah. Well, I get when I was on about DMT before, I think like there's a, a thing, it's just like a theory called hive mind. I don't know if yeah. you've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Where like uh, when the singularity happens, when AI is connected up to a Google and all that lot, that the fact that like because everybody now is attached to their phone, that once AI has the access to the thing, it will be able to control everybody's subconscious thoughts to the point where it is like no, every human being will be a body, but it just won't think. Mm. The internet will do the thinking for every individual. And this is like a process where it seems to be occurring. And if we can step back, like our youngsters, because they've grown up with the internet and that, we remember a time when there was no phones where you mm. had to think. And when there was no sat nav, you had to read a map. So it's, we're able to see how this thing, you're kind of like giving the internet and things bits of your life because it's giving you gifts of knowledge. And you're kind of being rewarded down this path. And as you're being rewarded, you're handing all this information over to you, but the, 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 the cost of your subconscious and your inner voice. And by the time that people realise that there's a problem, they will have no inner voice, they won't be connected to nature, everything will just be this thing. They reckon it'll be like 2030 or something like that. And it's uh, when Singularity, where the AI is connected up to Google and everything else, and by that time they think the internet will be able to heal itself, run itself, everything else, where at the minute it needs humans. So we're at the process of building up to it. And I think by the time it actually happens, our kids and everybody else could be in a time where it's just yeah, it, uh, Elon the complete Musk. opposite to what yeah. we're thinking, where we want to connect with our... Okay then, so here's one for you then. Devil's advocate or not, actually, probably just offer this. Is this just not the trajectory that we're on? That we're supposed to be in? That we're just... Going to happen. That, yeah, that it's just going to happen in the same way that a caterpillar becomes a butterfly... You know, we we were smashing rock around. I kind of get what you mean, but I have like this weird. Fi- I would, if I could write a movie, like because I've, I've got a cool imagination with shit. You, like you should, you will write a movie, I'm sure, <laughs> at some point. But do you know, like, say with the Roswell incident, I think like during that time from being a kid, I remember when we was younger, the rate at what technology they say due to the internet and everything else. That's why obviously technology's developed this fast. But I kind of think that something landed and on earth at that time and then the technology was actually the alien so if you try and think about it like this mm. if you think of like technology itself say the, the birth of the internet and everything else that's kind of become this virus and this plague that's attached to every single human being it's multiplied and that it's now seems to be attached to everybody's being like a virus like a fungus if yeah. you think of the phone and now this technology is building itself within our society so we always thought of an alien being like i don't know this um, big-eyed little dwarf but nobody ever actually thought that it could just be technology itself yeah do you know what i doesn't mean it doesn't have like, to be a little being yeah it, it doesn't have to be a being it could be a bit of metal that's done this thing and created a multiplied kind of like the transformer effect and if it was a movie i think it would be amazing because you'd see how and then you could do the end of it with a singularity where all of a sudden every human becomes like an ant and then it's like then starts taking a bit like the matrix i love that movie when mm. i was younger you know where like we're just batteries but we're kind of like semi semi biotic yep. humans yeah and i think that as a movie itself when you step back I, that's how i predict the future is going to be and i think the planet will kind of become desolate if you get what i mean yeah as in nature plants yeah. yeah because once you become more semi semi biotic you almost don't need plants animals and nature and the well, beautiful you're, you're, you're biological being yeah you will become an avatar you will yeah. literally just you're like when you go to DMT, yeah. in a weird way, 
I mean, in Avatar, I think they depict that really well. Amazing. They, they yeah. depict that amazingly where that body goes in there, gets in that chamber, knows where he's going, goes off to the place, and then he's in the dream state. He's in yeah. that place, but it's a thoroughly lived experience. Yeah. Have you read Brave New World, Aldous Huxley? No, but I kind of... Uh, Ni- 1932, Aidan, was it? Brave New World? 1932, and he was a famous intellectual uh, and writer, but he became sort of famous later on for his psychedelics and he wrote Islands, which was one of his last things I think he did, which was, and he wrote some, I think he even, he had his partner inject him with LSD on his deathbed so he knew he was dying and he wanted to pass through that way. But he wrote Brave New World in 1932 and I think, I don't know if this is correct, yeah, Brave New World... Um, it was published in 32, yeah. Um, I believe that he actually taught George Orwell as well for a little time. Oh, yeah. The who did 1984. Teacher. I think yeah. he was actually... I think he taught him. I, I'm not sure. But... Um, yeah, that's it there. Yeah. He, he depicts pretty much what you've just said. Yeah. In 1932, he writes yeah. about this, you know. Yeah, I think we can all see it coming. And the more that your subconscious is taking over, that's why everybody's got that empty. There's loads of suicides going on at the minute. And it seems like, for me, like the fact that you can't really talk now, this whole grass in your neighbouring, if all of a sudden, and it's kind of like, it seems like society is turning in on itself. Look at the Black Lives Matter issue already. For me on the internet, I feel like these groups or it's like whoever's controlling it, the tech giants are sending out these things to test different things in different countries to see how people are reacting. And it's almost like by the time that the singer, the, the AI itself or the, the internet will know exactly how to control people in such a way that it will be able to get people to do whatever it wants in any... Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, the algorithms are kind of... Like the pro... Uh, yeah, and, and this, again, with Darren, we kind of got into this a little bit in like, uh, what I wonder at this point is, and this is what I was getting at a moment ago about saying, you know, is this not the trajectory that we're on? Because ha- why are we doing this? How are we doing it? Who is doing it? Is it just us? Is it, I often say it in a, in a way like, I don't believe there's five old boys in a pyramid, you know, that want to take over the world and they're putting out a master plan and, you know, giving out certain information. Yeah. I, I I often feel like it's like a like a distorted in imbalance of like people who've got the big companies leading that you know in that field you know for instance silicon valley everybody's charging forward to get the new technology and that new technology is going to lead to this but the top top two or three companies are sort of moving towards it and we're trying to get in front of each other and then someone makes it and he gets it and it's elon musk with as you mentioned that 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 i think it's neuralink is oh, it? neuralink yeah you know which is basically that's going to be the thing isn't it that yeah. we'll, 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 we'll download us so then Bill Gates is now, you know, he's the vaccine. He sees that the digital future's in the vaccine because, so then, but I don't think them two are meeting in a, you know, fucking Bohemian Grove and like, you know, burning effigies. I just think that the the quest to be the best, to get the thing, to go to the unknown is happening in all these different areas and it's all pushing us towards greed and more. And it feels like, and, and now more than ever, obviously big companies the Amazons, all these big blue chip tech companies. Uh, it used to be that banking cartels were like, you know, the Rothschilds yeah. and the Rockefellers were like running things from behind the scenes because that's for the... That, now it's like they've surpassed that. It's like yeah. these blue chip companies with smiley Jeff Bezos at the fucking opening of the whatever and he's yeah. a lovely guy, I'm sure, but the money... I read a stat somewhere the other day, you might have to check this, Aidan, 
if you had earned, I think it was £180,000 a day from the day Jesus was born to now, you still wouldn't have as much money, money as Jeff Bezos. Have a check, see if you can find that, Aidan. Now, obviously, that was just something I saw on the internet, you know, and it made me think, I don't know if I'm taking this as accurate, but I'm, it made me think, fuck me. Like, what can a human do when you look around at the world? Well, it's weird how they're trying to all go into space as well, isn't it? Like, Jeff Bezos has got yeah. his, and then obviously even uh, Ransom from all that lot. And, like, it seems to be... Either they know something that they're not telling us about the future of the planet and they're trying to be the first ones off it before it goes tits up, or it's kind of... Well, for me, it's that thing. It's that quest for the next thing. You know, like, why is Elton John and Michael Jackson fucking nuts? Because when you achieve it and you're there and you've got the fucking Beverly Hills mansion, you're having the parties for eight, nine days in a row, you need to, you know, they're just fucking nuts. So fucking bring me a lorry load of fucking dancing monkeys and flowers (laughs) and a fucking, you know, because you just keep going. What can we do next? Yeah. And maybe there's something more in it in in the sense of like, you know, they hear all the talk about terraforming Mars or whatever, getting off of this planet. There's definitely a space race happening, isn't there, for like minerals and all of the resources that can be mined. And it's like, well, France are there and India are there and the United States are there. But who owns this fucking meteor just outside? You know, who's got dibs on it? So then the arms and the fucking, you know, like keeps going, it keeps going. That's why I feel like it's just what we're doing. It's like we are becoming a different thing. We're becoming a machine. We're becoming, we're just... How we become interplanetarial, like, bacteria that travels the universe in a way, innit? It's like the process of that, and, like, in order to travel, because the body's no good in space anyway, if we become semi-symbiotic, once we're in space, we don't need our bodies because we've just got yeah. a mind and heart, so we can float and around. It, and it's just fucking... We don't even it, need it, oxygen in a way. Cause it gets caught and that, and it's heavy, yeah, and it gets dehydrated, and yeah. it's a fucking... It's like an old boot. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't, want, you don't wear them old football boots. You wear these new, slick, fucking lightweight things that are, like, they not even don't even feel real. What yeah. is that? Have you kicked a football? <laughs> like I, I used to love football. I kicked a football for the first time. I don't know how long, and it was like, what the fuck is that? What is it? It was mental. Like when I used to kick footballs, it was like a football. It was like heavy. It was heavy, like a mitre yeah. delta when football. When you got onto the swing, yeah, like, and you got the bing, <laughs> like a ring for like a week, you know, or you on your thigh on a Sunday morning, and you just fucking just wanted to cry, didn't you? Roses. I kicked this ball the other day, and it didn't even feel like a. It it didn't even feel like. A, a material I was even aware of, <laughs> and it just like this it, movement and its trajectory, everything was just fucking weird. Yeah, I, I, you know, on a small detail like and all these little grains of sand and these little moments of change across the board that are happening that you don't really recognise because it's just happening around you and you're in the eye of the storm. Yeah. So you, you know, it's like. Trying to keep up with time itself, it's like a race, isn't it? Like, because it's just moving yeah. and you just need, and that's what the DMT, getting back to it, it sort of like stops that time for a second and makes you be like, whoa, wait a minute, just like, look. And there's something primal and ancient and yeah. old and godly and omnipotent about it that's like, fuck, yeah. But well, that's what's missing. missing. Well, I don't know about you as well, but I think this, uh, like the whole DMT thing and everything is like the, some of the visions that I saw when I, I smoked it was all definitely 100% ancient Aztec murals. Yeah. And it was almost like the uh, the Mayan calendar. It was like literally, and they were all in hieroglyphs. It was moving around the room and there was like so much stuff that I was seeing that definitely made me understand the past in a way where it's like, like I don't know, they obviously clearly knew 10 times more than what mm. we do. And I mm. think their connection... 
from the past with this sort of stuff seems to have been everywhere. I think all religions was based off of some maybe psychedelic. like psychedelic, yeah, psychedelic, psychedelic spiritual, and often plants. All these things grew out the earth. Yeah, the mushrooms, the acacia, which is rich in DMT. Even Moses's experience. Oh, with a burning bush. And the scholars work looking at that now, yeah. looking at the idea that it might have been a psychedelic experience. Yeah. They're actually trying to unravel that now. You know, yeah. that's that's happening. Even in the, in the beginnings of the First Testament, I've heard Graham Hancock talk about this. There's a mushroom cult, you know, and often, so, and again, this is a lot of this is from Graham Hancock when I went on a fucking three-year Graham Hancock fucking just mad binge. He talked about, like, um, in, the, in the ancient times, the wise man in the village would often be somebody who's had experiences, whether it's meditative or breathing-induced or yeah. mushrooms or some kind of plant life substance, some some medicinal lesson from the yeah. earth. And he would be, you know, the guiding shaman or, or whatever it may be. It seems to be there. But today, it sounds fucking wacky. Well, I, I also think... In the past, I think we don't really dream at night time how we should. A, we don't get the right sleep because we're always under artificial light and stuff like that. You always sleep better when you're actually more out in nature and all that. And so mm -hmm. I think with that, the stimulus that's going on, the fact that we're connected to the phone, there's energy, there's always just there's the noise, cars, everything. I think back in the past, when you slept, your dreams would be more vivid. Once I did DMT for maybe about four weeks afterwards, my dreams were a lot clearer, a lot more vivid. Over a period of time, it's become less... Your subconscious mind at night time is still so stimulated for everything that's gone on. It's then when you go into sleep, it's like it's it's like the, it doesn't. You're not connected with how you're meant to be connected. That's mm. what it just feels mm. like. And I, I honestly think if you want to plug the plug in and see what's really meant to be, then that is what DMT off hundred percent is. Well, yeah. going camping has been doing that for me. You've just again, you fucking every time I come in to interject here because you've nailed it. <laughs> it's like unplugging literally said unplugging that's what i feel and likening it to in fact i did a podcast ramble chat wasn't it number 27 i think and i was talking i, was, I set out to do it basically for the youtube people because on the actual audio versions of the podcast i do an intro and i kind of talk about my journey and little bits and what's been happening and yeah. just coming to terms with being a human a very similar conversation to this but obviously these videos they just go out straight conversations so i do these ramble chats every now and again now i've only done one where i'm just bringing the video people up to speed the podcast is going to be doing this we're doing that and this is my thoughts at the minute yeah. and camping has been i had i had a couple of moments that when i got taken out for the first time to the peaks and we went up a big hill you know and I, I'd stopped a couple of times up the mountain, off halfway up with my friend who's an outdoorsman who, who's been teaching me. And I fucking felt psychedelic. I was upside of this thing and he'd forgotten his uh, water filter or he'd, he'd forgotten to get water. So he went off and I sat down. And I was halfway up this, this big hill and there was running sort of waterfall stream river thing coming through the middle. And I was, there was, you know, I was right in a valley and it's just beautiful, gorgeous day as well. And it reminded me of the DMT, of the mushrooms, of the psychedelics, in the sense that the connectivity, the simplicity, yeah. the just pure connection and disconnection from where I'd just been. And like I started to think about my kids. I was imagining, I can't wait to get the boys up here when they're a bit bigger and we can go, you know, and I went through this whole scenario, which I, I document on there, and I started to occur to me, like, I was having it, I felt, I started to feel the physical feelings of like, and like, Loose I guess like up. people say, yeah, when people do breathing, they can reach, yeah, you I know, psychedelic states know. of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well. But this, that camping has been utter, in this time, 
of COVID. And luckily my wife, you know, she's cool. She's like me. We've tried to live as normally and as as, as um, true to ourselves as we always have done. And even if that's in the face of being the odd ones out, you know, we respect obviously everybody and everybody's place, yeah. but I'm not right. I'm not, banging my mask on I'm not doing things that I don't believe in I'll do it if, 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 in a situation where I've got to appease other people yeah. but I will make and if I don't if I do go in a shop without a mask on which I do I make sure I talk to people I make sure my body language is open and I try and put some confident energy into people it's okay yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Everybody, we're all the same you're not going to die do you But this I mean? campaign has helped us our family because if we'd have been cooped up me and you know we were just getting off and getting out taking the kids and we're off in the woods and we're off on the hills and we're out the way. And it is, I think it's given us something really stable and yeah. not just to keep the virus and the madness and the stress away, but actually growth. Yeah. Growth. I've, have you I've tried Have it. you tried doing DMT in the wild? Right? Like, like, not yet, no. Not that's yet. One, see, me and uh, there's a lad, um, Martin and all that lot, and a few of us were planning on going somewhere out into the... Uh, back and beyond camping and then trying to do it under the, the night sky. And the reason mm. being is because uh, when I, I was in Turkey recently and my taxi driver was talking about, funnily enough, DMT is one of the events organisers at Azora Festival, which is where I'm going oh, next okay. year. So it was really quick coincidental. He actually, he got, I got in the taxi, had some liquid house music on. I was like, oh, do you like um, this type of music? Have you heard of Azora? He's like, oh, I'm one of the organisers. I was like, no way. Do you know, like, weird. Yeah. And then he started telling me about DMT, smoked it 6,000 times. Times he like Jesus honestly that he's he's done ayahuasca and he's on about Ozora, everybody gets together and everything and he said, Have you ever done it in nature yet? And I said, No, I've done it just in buildings, surrounded crit and he's like, Now that you feel comfortable when you go in and do it in nature, it's the, it's times by ten. So I started doing a little bit of research, obviously obsessive, looked into it all. And apparently, like like a city at night time, the artificial lights stop you from seeing That's the stars. It, yeah, yeah. But when you're completely out in nature and then you do the DMT, sometimes the stars can have an effect on the actual breaking through. So I'm really excited about that. But we're Ooh. on about taking... You should come along if I you fancy. I would love to. I would love they're, to, Jack. Yeah, be honest. going to try and like, film it and then see what will go out. But only like a few of us in yeah. the thing. You all know where to go camping. Yeah, so you're yeah, yeah totally. Oh, camp. yeah, I've got, I've, I've got handfuls <laughs> of little spots, yeah. So like like I say, it would be mega mega. Yeah, we want to try it and then see. Try and go maybe in the afternoon as the sun's setting, get everything set. You'll know what to do. I know yeah. nothing yeah. about wild camping. I'll yeah. sleep out in the wild. No, problem. I, I've got yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm all excited about it and I love going. Oh, I've got my little bag and I've got everything in it. This pocket's got that in it. And you know, it, honestly, I'm in fucking love with it because it's yeah. given me. That's that is the thing that I I liken it to. It's given me the connection, the peace, the mindfulness, the the nourishment. Of something like a psychedelic, the, the you know the, the the months, the years after doing those things, when you you start to realise you're harnessing the the nourishment of learning, of looking inside yourself, looking at yourself, and going actually improve, mate. Yeah. Be more humble. Be more compassionate. Be more empathetic. Understand that we're all fucking just bumbling along and no yeah. one really wants to fuck this up but people <laughs> do and don't let the stress bring you down and don't carry this stress for them either you know don't don't be hating on people because this and that and the other like understand that like there's nothing we can do all we can do is be as open and as positive and you said again earlier switch everything to a positive where you can you yeah. have bad days you have days where you're human beings man yeah but there's something happens when you make that click when something when that thing happens in there and you just realize I can't control all this shit. All I can do is just be as open and as true to myself as is I can it, and, yeah. and, and 
whatever it is, let the oh, you go first in the fucking. I was in the shop the other day, an old boy, old boy in the shop, and I was behind him in the queue, and he was panicking a bit. He must have been probably eighty odd, and his card won't work. Six pound on like some tea bags and a whatever, yeah. And he's going again, and the girls and the queue performing behind me, and the girls kind of like at the till, and she's getting a bit embarrassed because he can't really hear her, and he's determined, and he's going to know, you know. And I sort of stepped in, and I, I was thinking about, it and I just thought, you know what? Just pay for it. Yeah, mate. Like, I saw that. Don't yeah, worry about that's that. Wicked. Don't worry about that. I, I saw that. that. And but do you know what happened? Everyone was a bit weird. Yeah, like sometimes it's because in our society we're not used to it. Yeah, exactly. What, what's this cunt after? What's you, he you've doing? Been to Thailand. Everybody says hello. Don't matter yeah. or whatever. Do you know yeah. what I mean? We're so much pressure in our culture that it's like sometimes you haven't got time. Everybody's day, even if you just work, just doing part time work, you've got all the other stresses. So. We don't ever just take that bit of extra time to just talk to strangers. Or mm. You get it sometimes. I love it like when I'm with my kids and there's like the older ladies on the bus and they're like, what a talk to your kids. I love their moments. Yes. You know, it's like, yes. And then you get my lads to show them respect and you can yeah. say yes. And then they're like, they're like special. But that's like how I think. And I think because of trauma, you know, like when people label as somebody as an introvert, extrovert, I feel like the stress makes you an introvert because mm. you've thinking so much internally that you can't have any you do dmt you go from an introvert and you want to be an extrovert because extrovert sorry you understand that that's where we're meant to be we're meant to have conversations we're meant to be around groups of people we're meant to see how i think and i trust think, each other yeah trust like and that trust has to be built up and then you have to have the banter the two and the throw and it, it's another thing like again with like how comedy is going and like the way that the laws in this country in america are changing where hate crime stuff it's like I honestly think when stuff like that sort of like gets into the mix and then you're not allowed to actually say something that's even offensive, you people should try to offend me. I actually like if somebody mm. says something negative, it kind of like it's it's kind of like when because I've worked on a building site obviously with my dad, you kind of have to get ripped and you also have to get bullied being a kid. It's like you need these lessons and mm. so now that we're older and we're trying to change the law that nobody could say this or do this diluting ourselves yeah and then it makes you so weak and then it's kind of like everything then that's good i mean what's comedy gonna be like in like 10 years it feels like comedy and underground i just listened to uh, joe rogan with edward snowden recently and they were talking about this they were talking about you know this culture of not offending people and what is offensive and what we've changed it like they talked about you know dead dead naming you so if you're a transvestite who used to be called Michael, you know, and now you're Michelle, yeah. Twitter apparently, according to this, the, these Edward Snowden and Joe Rogan were talking about this policy that Twitter have got. It's like if, if you're having patter and banter on, on there and you call, you know, Michelle Michael, yeah. that's dead naming, you get fucking expelled from Twitter with no, no rebuttal, no oh nothing, you're gone. God. But you can go on there and call Michael fuckface. Yeah. that's what they were saying like you can call him you, you know cunt you fucking you know I think you're a fuck but like so where are we going where, yeah. where, like you, if the we control. take away that like we, I've said it to, to Aiden as well Aiden is a you know he's a very academic intelligent kid super smart he's, his quest is he's in computers he's in computer science media but he asked me to just come and work on a building site he said can I come and do some work on a building site and I was like Number one, fucking brilliant, because as what you're saying, I know how important this is, right? So yeah. I'm like, I'm really impressed because I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. Because I know that, I know that this is not 
your quest. Yeah. It's not going to be your livelihood, but I get it that you want to know. To be you want to know. Yeah, you want to know. You want to. And he come on, and he got. And we, ironically, for him, we had a fucking job where it was lifting 80, 80 square meters of like old seventies concrete slabs that were like they must have been fifty kilos each. They were yeah. savage. And he was, I was like, you sure? I said, and then we've got like 12 tonnes of hardcore to get around, you know, like, and, he, and he just got stuck in. And he treated it like, like what you're saying with that attitude of like, he worked out that there's um, hard work, obviously, but then he worked out that there's patterns. There's, there's, there's mathematical ways to solve problems. Not everything's just straightforward. Yeah. And actually there's creativity involved. Yeah. You know, there's like problem solving and there's banter. Yeah, because he saw a side of me that he doesn't normally see. He's like, "Fucking hell, I'll turn into a different bloke." I'm firing off this. I got all weird voices, just fucking having all sorts of patter and banter. But then coming to the clients and the customer care and making sure you know that's always their conscientious, making sure everybody knows where they are. And he took something away from that. And I hope my children. That's something. I guess in a nutshell, that's something. As you said on the bus with your kids, with with it being respectful. You want them to be rough and tumble and understand the world and not be afraid to to get a bruise and, yeah. you know, muddy knees. Some of the best things that's happened to me are my mates giving me this bad banter. Do you know why? Like, like one of my mates, I've known him since he was four, I always makes me laugh. And I was tattooing and it was a time I'd stopped training because I had a knee operation. Put loads of weight and I believe it or not, I was like 17 and a bit stoned, so I was a bit of a chunky monkey at the time and uh, I'd got lazy you know what I mean like I could have probably been training my knee was still bad but I'd got a bit and we always rip each other like we're good friends mm. he's on that level he come in this tattoo studio I was tattooing this girl he said fucking hell Jay you trying to keep your penis warm with that or what and my belly was over <laughs> the best thing anybody's ever said to me uh, that so, motivated you oh Jesus Christ I said mate by, by Christmas it was I June, can I remember you telling oh, me the story I when I was getting tattooed he was yeah. like laughing he goes no way I think it was like nine weeks later and I had like abs he was like yeah. what the fuck but the Sick. thing is yeah. if he hadn't have said that like people it's where you take that information it's kind of like you can go away and put your hand up say I've been offended and all that and we'll take that away and we'll do that person but really if somebody's ripping you they're actually giving you things that maybe you could improve and mm. it only hurts when it's true yes do you know what I mean yes, like, yes, yes. if somebody calls you fat and you're fat then obviously it's offensive isn't yeah. it and you kind of but then you could take away and then try and get that phone the police or you could then think well he's only ever described me because that's mm. what I am or if I don't like it and I'm then I'm, I'm then you do you know what I mean it's like oh you're yeah. thick Jay you can't read well, I'll go and read a book yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, we, it's all these things inside us that tend to just, I don't know, that's where this whole, you can't introduce that because the bullying, the taking the piss, the building site banner, what you just said, mm. it's, you've got, you've got to have it, haven't you? You've, I, I believe it wholeheartedly. I believe that if your intention is always good, yeah, if you're, um, if you're, if you're able to manage humor in a way like you say in, in banter and and be able to push each other to to lines and limits where stuff's ran i mean if you look at the military for instance yeah paratroopers lads like that that's a survival tactic for them that brotherhood that that pushing one another and some of the stories i've heard of the paras and that i fucking twist your fucking melon man yeah but there's the binding bonds because when it comes to crunch time they are there in ways we'll never understand yeah. Do you know what I mean? And well, you will, because your dad was military. So, I believe the building site, camaraderie, a football team, 
where you get in a changing room or you get a, a group together and you allow that freedom to push a bit, you know, come on, Jimmy, get it together, mate. Feel connected. Yeah, you, and then you, you know, and yeah, sometimes, it, but when you do feel that introspection and you feel hurt, as I've read some comments on the video that went viral for us the other day, I got a bit carried away. I was like, fucking hell, I've got all these comments. This is mad. We've got we've, shit's happening. The podcast is out there, you know. And then, and then I started thinking, oh, yeah, this is why I stopped reading. Co-. You know, like I used to read YouTube comments. Not that I'd never really wrote them. But I used to, and used to think, fuck me, people are mental. <laughs> people are taking the time out of their day to, like, get into it with strangers. Anyway, I'm reading them. And, I'm, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, great podcast. It's up there with James English and Sean Atwood. We can't wait to see more of this. Another English podcast that's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, wicked. And then there's one like, who's this fucking host? He's asleep, fucking shit. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and then I realised, watching myself, yeah. get a fucking grip. Yeah. I love what I do. Yeah. I know I can't please everybody. I'm not doing it to please everybody. Yeah, yeah it's nice to to sh- have conversations and feel like people pick up and go oh, I feel like that yeah. or that helped me or they yeah. offer something that helps you which is what I love about this I get to sit across from people like you and learn Talk, and, yeah, and, and, and realise oh yeah that bit of me is sane and actually I could take a bit of that that Jay's doing or yeah. what Hannah said there about well, you know like I can bring that into my life yeah. and it, that's the, all we've got yeah. allowing each yourself other. to get out the way of yourself each other for the journey yeah thing is we all end up in the same box it's either going to get burnt or buried mm. trust me mm. and the thing is unless you're lucky and you have one of them Tibetan sky burials which is I'm trying to you know so you get reincarnated and all that yeah. that's another story but yeah. I don't know I think like everything you can have whatever money and everything else but really it's like how you've been and I think the DMT feels like when you do that breakthrough the bit where you're able to look at yourself is similar to how in religion, when they say about like uh, purgatory, where when you're in there, you get with the DMT, you do get that brief bit of purgatory where you can, but you get to go back. Mm. And I think that's why it's so special mm. as well. Not only do you get your lessons taught to God, whatever that thing is, or whoever she is, she's obviously the, uh, what, and then you get, and that's why I think, I don't think, I'm saying it again, DMT's for everybody, but it's mm. definitely, mm. definitely. When you're seeking seeking more seeking to to heal yourself to learn to and and again you said it earlier when you want to go to the edge of something if you feel as i often say to aiden sometimes i have those moments where i feel like i don't want to get to the bit where there's nothing more to do yeah you know like the rock stars when they've got the beverly hills ass the elton john i mentioned you know like what next you know kind of don't want to get there and i don't mean in a material way but I, i sometimes think oh when the kids are grown up and what then? And you know, like I always want to have the, the challenge of, of of the adversity of the next yeah. thing or whatever. And then my wife reminded me. She goes, "Yeah, but we'll have the grandkids, and it'll be." For, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that'll be cool." Yeah. You know, just just always challenging to learn, to yeah. grow. To what what am I me or am I another layer of me? Yeah. And another layer of me. And a, and when we say improved and better, I don't mean it in the kind of Silicon Valley. You know, I'm a go getter. I just mean. Just this. The Are you hippie. better today than you was yesterday? Yeah, That's in, in the hippie like, sense. Yeah. In the hippie sense of yeah. like, just more compassionate, more empathetic. Yeah. Always driven, always getting stuff done, always wanting to learn new things to grow, but staying aware of yourself and your presence and your impact on people. Yeah, you know I, what I, mean? I think as well, like w- when it comes to like being a parent, like leading by example as well. Like um, there's a, a, a thing that I read about, like if you're unhappy, then you teach your kids unhappiness. So. Mm the more I think that you're dealing with stuff and like the DMT told me to turn the positives negatives, then I think your kids can, not in every case, things can happen in their own 
person individually. But like, for instance, with fear, like uh, that's a prime example with spiders. Like my kids, like my daughter, she used to hold spiders in the house. And like my old man was in the program, absolutely fearless, one of the most. And it was the, one of the best things of having him as a dad, because obviously if he's not afraid, he's telling me I shouldn't be afraid. And then you're trying to be like him. When it comes to your kids and you've got a spider, like my daughter would hold it, put it in a hand. My ex missus, she's petrified, so she screams now because she's lived with her for so long. The screaming every time my daughter will not go near spiders now. So, as much as what she's adapt that fear, you can adapt the bad habits mm. onto your kids. So, you, when you're doing something for yourself, you're not just doing it for you. What you don't realize at times is you're doing it for your great great grandchildren. Mm. Mm. Because it will, like, progress, and that's how, like, this yeah. DMT show me all things manifest in time. And relationships and mistakes you've made, if you're still alive and they are, you can always just, no matter, even if you feel deep down that you're the victim or that you're yeah. not going to speak to them because of this. I need to see my mom and I need to see people that I've said things to in the past. And it's not that I'm, like, weak for saying it or anything like that, but I just want to, like, you know, like, say, like, sorry, I understand. It's the biggest thing in the world. If anything. It's the, mo- it's the most lifting and rewarding thing in the world you know even if you if you do feel like you're wronged i mean i'm having the most difficult time i've had a difficult back and forth with my mum predominantly but my mum and dad because as i mentioned before there's you know the split up and all the noise and just constant fighting and unhappiness in the end as you've just said again nailed it that unhappiness that my mum's lived in you know on the surface you know the makeup's done and the car's nice and the house is big and fucking you know keeping up appearances but unhappy and that unhappiness comes out in the bottle of wine at night in the you know and it comes out into the kids and then the, i mean my brothers and sisters haven't done bad really to kind of find something but it's in us all we're not a sociable family we're not a you know and you it is it's bleeding out all the time that reverberation of your energy the way you deal with things the way you adapt that's affecting everybody around you and they yeah. say as you get older don't they you know You'll end up counting your friends on one hand and, and so on. I always used to think, well, you know, I was always fucking loads of mates and like, yeah, but yeah. it's not that they're not your mates anymore. It's just life gets busier. Yeah. You go down different paths and meaningful things and you start to realise, oh, yeah, who's still here? You know, that, that, there's a few lads still here or there's a few of my friends or, and we're all trying to just work it out, aren't we? And if you can see that you're impacting everything around you, it's just the people that are there, it's so much healthier. And it feeds one another. Yeah, if you lead. Well, funnily enough, through doing the DMT, I did a painting after I did it, and I uploaded it. And some of the kids, like there's a lad like Lewis Eason, or Lewis Lafferty, he's known as like, he was like one of my best mates at school. And he's at uh, PT in the military and all that lot. And he's reached out to me recently, and we've had conversations on the phone. And as far as what we are in life, because I've done the DMT and it's helped me, it's easy at that stage just before I did it. So speaking to him on the phone, it was really like, whoa, mm. you know, like... Yeah. And it's weird because, you know, with the DMT, it says it calls you and everything. It was like, I'd not heard from him in ages. We're talking probably like two years. I'm training first thing in the morning. Like, we're talking like, what, five, something like that. Phone goes boo, boo, through Facebook. He's phoning me. And you know where you're like, ah, oh, do I answer it? Yeah. There? And I'm like, look, DMT, you don't lead to, how's it going, mate? Blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, we were, we've just been speaking. It's reconnected. And, yeah. that, and, then, and then you put that phone down and you're like, oh. 
song. And I'm Energy's him, in. Yeah, exactly. And I'm telling him about this thing and it feels like... And he's ready. Yeah. Synchronistically, it's come together. Yeah, and it's like the trauma he had, like, I'm sorry to talk about it all that, but he didn't have the greatest upbringing at all. Like, his mum died when he was younger, his dad kind of left him, he's living at his grandma's, getting packed. He had, like, so... Yeah. And it's weird how when you're at school, if you've got some trauma in your head, them kids, like, me and him... They tend to club together a bit, don't they? Do you know mm. what I mean? Because like the, the ones that are like, oh, he's not sitting down in assembly, they find it funny, so they want to be part of it if yeah. they've got their own. Mm. Whereas somebody who's like, oh, why is he being yeah. naughty? They're yeah. not going to have a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. So all of us guys said, but it's it's at like midlife crisis age, probably what I'm going through now. There tends to be a pattern with a lot of these lads that the system they've been sold, now it's relevant and evident to them that, it's all bullshit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And like, the, when you're younger, you don't quite see it because you've always got this. But once you're tied into the mortgage, you've got your bills, what you're saying, you're yeah. disconnected. The small handful of, they warn you. They say, by the time that you're running this hamster wheel, there's five of you. You go to a tribe in Peru or somewhere like that, they're all sat around and there's loads of them. They're all in Thailand. They're all mm. running around. But yet, we in our culture, in order to keep your hamster wheel going, where is everybody? Where's the events? Now the football events. Now there's no... Uh, there's no festivals. Everything where we should connect is being taken. And isn't it strange? Like now, the now the new thing is is they're bringing curfews in. Yeah. So like all of a sudden, you know, at ten o'clock, the like, virus get, gets what the fuck? And and but it's all right to go to work and earn that fucking dollar. <laughs> but I think when you go out tonight, probably let's knock that on the head. You know. Yeah. So we are missing all of that connection, like more and more by the day. Yeah, I don't want to get on about that because it's fucking driving me mad at the minute. It, is. Yeah. it really is upsetting me. Yeah. But listen, Jay, this has been fucking. I've really enjoyed this. Yes, sir. I would be honoured to come with you on that. Yeah, on mate, that, that I honestly, we'll do it in the next bit, month if yeah. you've got time. Yeah, it's yeah. One weekend, and then I'm yeah. just gonna like it'll be like a, a probably a Friday and Saturday night, mate, or just yeah. a Saturday night. Which, yeah, yeah. I'll drop the messages, keep you in contact, and then we'll sort it out. I would love to, yeah, that'd be amazing. I'd yeah. love to have that experience, because your energy, like when Hannah came in here the other night, you can feel it. I can feel, having been there and kind of trying to maintain it myself, you can just feel when people have had the breakthrough, whether it's the actual breakthrough in DMT, yeah. but really it's what comes back into this cold light of day, yeah. and I can feel it from you, abundant, loving, yeah. open. You Why? want to repair things in the past. You want to go and speak to people, you know, and that's going to give them energy. Yeah. That's going to give them some peace. That's yeah. going to lock lock some things off that, that, that have been weight that they just they, they just release them off yeah. and that's fucking awesome man. the more it's like the time that we've got we've just got to make it positive i think and like i said it's the some of the most tragic things in my life eventually ended up being the best things mm. getting kicked out being made homeless getting beasted as a kid by this guy who was like trying to make me into a man well i'm glad i became the man when i had the challenges you know mm. what i mean yeah so and i i honestly i think at any point you can look back at your life and think to you, you know what I mean? Make it good. It's mm. you, you're the one. Like, that's the thing. We don't tell people, you've got the remote. Do you know what I mean? It's that old saying, isn't it? Everybody's self-made, but only the successful people usually will tell you it. Yeah, you know yeah exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. true, though, isn't it? I like that. But they don't. And so because if all of a sudden I, I say to my kids, which is why, again, it's like, you're the one, your decision, everything that happens around me, even if I don't think it's my fault, is my fault. Yeah. Because at some point I would have manifested that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That is a fucking lesson that I've tried to explain this to, to lads I've worked with, so many lads I've worked with that I can see, you know, it might be that maybe like my mum and dad, they're in a, one of those relationships that's just not working out, kind of holding it together, but in their heart of hearts and in their truth, they know it's just not working, but you've got the mortgage and we've got 
you know, maybe we've got a couple of kids even, which is obviously difficult. And then we go to the job and the job ain't worked out and uh, you can just feel like this coiled truth that isn't being let out because yeah. it's painful because yeah. it will mean you carry it big upheaval and all that. So then you carry it and then that manifests out into everything else. And you can just, you Think. can, you can, oh, it's so frustrating. And I went through a period of like trying to fucking rescue everybody that, it, that in my initial space where when I'd have my breakthroughs and like fucking hell you know and then I realised I started pushing people away because who the fuck what are you on about and like you know what I mean <laughs> oh when you've done it and you're trying to tell people it's like is this guy like when you're telling them just even about it they're yeah. like yeah. I think Jay's lost his mind yeah <laughs> what the fuck are you on about you know like I've Talking got fucking to this. <laughs> you know my missus is blah 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 and you're like yeah and, I, and start to get it and you think right back to the thing of like right just try and be here just to be present yeah. for people and just try and, and and offer an energy that's I don't know nice to be around yeah you know what I mean easy easy that's the thing though it's like it's ticking by as well their life in it and it's it's you blink my, that's my stepdad told me when I was younger and that again listening to people that are older he, he got with my mum and it, he used to have a beer with him it'd be a little bit late at night and he'd say Jay it's like this very important man this is to me as well like as much as what I was, I was going to say yeah you're not mentioned him yet but yeah, yeah that sticks guy. with you absolutely he says uh, Jay you'll blink and then you'll be my age and he goes it'll go just like that and he used to say things to me always remember it he goes if you take an old person's mind and put it on a young person's shoulders then you'd be successful because you'd have the life experience. And that's one thing you got to remember. And again, that encouraged me just to listen to the older people and like, he guided, he's helped me because there's loads of other stuff that obviously, I'm, yeah. like when I was off the rails, things that I did that he kept me on the track. He never reacted or did anything or said anything bad to me. He just kept the dialogue open. Yeah. Like well, you he, said about yeah. your daughter, you know, you could, you could go to him. I could feel it off you already. Yeah. You could talk to him. Yeah. Well, if, if he looked disappointed, that was worse than getting a smack off my dad or anything. I never wanted to disappoint him because he'd done so much for me. How powerful. So that? all he'd do is he'd just look and then he'd say, and I'd inside, but that would have 10. And then I'm like, Oh, and that, you know what I mean? What? Oh, oh my God. And then, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I love, I love the fact that you, you know, that stuck with you and you've, you're implementing that into your kids and into your environment, in your shop, the people around you, you know, because that's the magic of life. Yeah. Those wholesome lessons, those meaningful lessons that, like you say, are hard sometimes to come by. They're the things that if we pass on in the, in the most simple, mundane, everyday way, we can create something that a little bit more aware, conscious, take something a bit more nutritious back out of this yeah. experience. Well, that's the beauty as well with tattooing, like with what you do now and you're talking to everybody all on this, like I tattoo people, loads of different people every day for eight hours. So I've studied a bit of psychology. So when I'm tattooing people, I'm speaking, I'm not like assessing them, like, but it's just interesting and understanding yeah. how they might. And I always take other people's, I do that whole, I take it with the first pinch of salt until I build up trust. Cause obviously mm. people can tell Jack and Oris, but mm. then at the same time, over a period of time, the people I learn to trust are, become a dear to and I think that's a lesson as well through all that that like I try and teach my kids and everybody should think is unless you're actually there or you've done it you can't really have that much of an opinion do you know mm. what I mean yes like, you can have what's called a, a, a secondary opinion shall we call yes. it or, but it's like I've seen something on Facebook it's like that and then it's like why comment why do you mm. know what I mean like I am silent on stuff like that because it's like... I've learned to be. Yeah. I wasn't for a while. <laughs> it's hard though, isn't it? Because it's entertaining. Like, yeah. 
Well, if I had the internet when I was younger, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be straight up here. I'd have been one of them troll imagine? kids laughing, just yeah. writing, dodging Setting comments. fires everywhere yeah. with people. Yeah. <laughs> Finding it funny. That, yeah. I'm glad I never had it when I was younger. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's the... But now that we're older and I think that um, with all the video, like it seems to have a, an effect on everybody and everybody's so... They jump on it like it's gospel with anything that you talk about. Even people that I'm talking to in the chair at times and I just all I say is like yeah but was you there or mm. have you been there and if they say that then just be like I'm not sure if I believe it if I was you mate or, or do you know what I mean Alan Watts says it again it's another Alan Watts simple just fucking straight down the line he says about you know direct experience direct felt experience anything other than that is just this it's just a makeup of wonder and anxieties and just fears and just the unknown and you create a whole thing but direct experience is is that's where the learning is yeah easy mm. people need more of it life experience with my two sons that's one thing that i'm doing is like you know how you've got the uni thing because i'm not like a fan of like uni to be honest with you i'm like pretty much uh, it's a different ball game now isn't it yeah it's a business it's a business they're trying to get people in i mean like they're like trying to tell them what they need to do so by the time they've got the funding from them for the like it's like I had a job that I advertised on Indeed for a PA and like 300 odd people applied and so like when they all applied for the job I asked them what their qualifications were and stuff like that and what job they're currently in or was the previous job so if, what uni tell kids at school what is the figure if I showed you straight up and I could prove this all of the 300 people that applied for the job you could go for them all and read all the uni degrees and qualifications and look at the jobs probably less than 10% if that was actually in a job related to, to the qualification. To, yeah. So yeah. when they're saying that you go to uni, you get this, you get that. With my two kids, I don't want them because I feel like life experiences, I don't really give my two boys too much, try and put a bit of money away, and then when it's their birthdays that goes into a savings account, soon as the youngest is uh, 18, I kick them both out of the house. They're like kicked mm -hmm. out like I was. Not that I don't want them there, no. but they've got to go traveling for two years, which I will give them that money. for. They can't put it on a mortgage because I don't want them to tie into the rat race mm -hmm. straight away. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to get a car straight away. They can do the driving lessons or whatever, but I want them to go for two years. At the end of every month, I'm going to just put a bit more money from the savings into their account and for two years just see the world. That's yeah. all I want them to do. I don't want them pressures of work, nothing. Just because I feel like through the life experience of where they go and what they learn, that will benefit them more than any course that you've got to pay for and then pay off for the next 10 years. Things that I realised in China, like Deliveroo and stuff, and that they have these things that they're not even out yet in England, and I'll tell you about them. <laughs> um, there are ideas that when you travel, you think, I've seen that in this country, I could go to my country and set that up as a business. So it could be a food that you're, yep. something that you try, anything. You're getting it from a life experience, not through somebody in a classroom telling you and everything else. So... In China, there were these things, and they're like a taxi rank, but they're like little mini motor bikes. So when you go out clubbing or you do whatever, you go for a beer, and then this taxi man comes up with this rucksack with like a bike in it, and then you pay him. He drives you home in your car because they have this special insurance. They then get this little motorbike thing out, fold it out, and then drive back into town oh. on this little thing. And I was like, and there was loads of blokes in the city centres of this doing Shenzhen that. doing that. And I was mm. like, why is that no? Because then everybody would be like... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because my Freed car's up. then at home and I ain't yeah. got to take that second trip so you might pay a bit more quid and then yeah. the delivery thing was there and they weren't paying by card and so when I got back to England I was like, yeah, they have this thing where like you get any food and then delivery came out and I was like, whoa. So I was like, if you had travelled previous and then had that idea and set that up and so I think 
the life experience of my sons will go around and see things and be able to peace, use their imagination, which I encourage, mm. and then that will give them the future in life. And I think more and more over is the fact that this is what you're doing. You've alluded to your dad, watching your dad, wanting to, you know, shadow your dad and do the things he's doing. Well, this is what you're doing. The best way that they'll end up doing that is not because you end up going, right, you're 18 and that's what you're doing. It'll be like, I'm 18, I can't wait. I'm going, Dad, because they've been watching you do it and they've been watching your energy become healthier and more balanced and more encouraged and nurtured and because you're off doing this and you come back with the stories because when you travel, you come back with stories because you have experiences, you know, and I've I've listened to some of your stories that are are fucking mad, the Chinese (laughs) ones and, you know, and it's like when you go to a party, you know this anyway, regardless of your kids. You go to a party and you end up sat next to the stranger, you get chatting to them and, the, you know, they, they support Tottenham and they watch the fucking, that's, I'm a celebrity and that's all lovely. Not, not You're not going to leave that conversation like, but if you end up sat next to you and you're talking about when you were at the Cobra and, and the soup and the fucking the China and you, <laughs> then you, you come away with like, whoa. Yeah, you know, right. like maybe, maybe there's more. Yeah, that's the thing. So interesting because of the experiences. So I think, yeah, your kids and I, I've got a similar idea with my wife, exactly the same. Our policy at the minute is is that we're trying to get out on a holiday a couple of times a year to different countries. So yeah. in the in the winter months we're going off to like Denmark this year for Christmas, and then we'll do you know the, the various Scandinavian countries and have like the the cold kind of Christmassy yeah. kind of experience. But in the summer holidays we're just going around Europe at the minute, so Spain and France and Italy and all those places, and off the beaten track, you know, and just experiencing stuff and getting them out there. The smells, the taste, the people, the environments, the the culture, the speed. Yeah. because bit by bit by bit by bit, not only are we having that thing you mentioned again earlier where you that time, that J time where you just cut off and you have the experience and you don't got to be anywhere, but you're free for that yeah. period of time. That's life. Yeah, that's That living. there, it's not the fucking, you know, the speedboat in wherever, you know, yeah. when you're 60 or the big house or the whatever the fuck. Yeah. It's bills paid on top of everything, time off, throwing my spot we're going to fucking there and then we're just going to get a car and we, I don't know from there. Yeah. And for those three weeks, those six weeks or whatever, you're free and you meet those people and you fucking, I hear it in podcasts all the time. Some of my favourite podcasts are guys that just got a, quite a strong following and they say, look, I'm driving my van through Oregon, hit me up, you know, and they go and someone hits them up synchronistically and they end up on a driveway with them and they're doing a podcast and he does a podcast with it turns out his mum's really interesting. She used to do a thing in Africa with, you know, yeah, you know nice. and then that leads to this and then that synchronistic. Yeah. And I think your kids are going to get that from you and we're certainly trying to put that in our kids as yeah. well because reading and writing and learning and education is great, but let's not forget. Living. You know, living. <laughs> fucking yeah. living. Do, 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 do this, this, this. No, just be. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that, that is awesome. Well, listen, let's bring it home on that. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you, Jay. Love you, my man. <laughs> Brilliant. Take care. Thank you for listening to Chew the Chat podcast. Thank you for listening to Chew the Cat podcast. Chew the Cat. I, d- I want to wear my own Go on, then. Very angry. And there you go. Jay Bird. He's um inspiring lad, Jay. You know, he's got that... I think I mentioned it, you know, with... with uh, similarly with Hannah, he got that radiant kind of breakthrough energy. You can feel it from him. He's... he's, he's that internal penny dropping, that 
whatever it is that happens to us that when we kind of can shed some of the armor that we've been wearing that that's you know confused us over time because we know we can reach further we can do more but for some reason we've been in our own way or we just haven't been able to connect the dots but feeling it from him and the lift he's got you know and the energy he's putting out i love it i love that i love those stories i love those moments um we didn't even get on about his tattoo skills and all the rest of it but i mean that that was what he wanted to talk about was the dmt and we'll do it again in the future i'm gonna take jay up on his offer to take me out camping in the woods where we will um yeah we'll look at the stars through a different lens um you know as as the podcast mentioned so i'm looking forward to doing that we're going to be doing that um early october i think so well, we'll report back on that might even do a sneaky uh, a sneaky kind of breakdown once we've once we've been behind the curtain and bring it back we'll see but super super excited about doing that loved the podcast with jay love his influence love his energy and his positive vibes and we wish him all the best can't wait to uh, get in there and get some more income myself and share more chats with jay so thank you to him thank you to the sponsors thank you to everybody listening um we can't say it enough we say it every week but it, you know it seeing things growing at the moment, seeing people jumping on board, seeing all the lovely comments, you know, just happening more and more and more. It really is overwhelming and we're just buzzed to be here with you. So thank you very much. Check out GoDeepFlotation.com and LincolnCryolab.co.uk. Both of those sponsors, you can use the code word CHEW. Tell them CHEW the chat podcast. Um, We're raving about you and I'm here to get some crazy wellness experience in my body. It'll go down well. Right, guys, I'm going back in the house as it's Sunday again, and I'm chilling with the kids. It's Karate Kid 3 this week, teaching the kids all about Mr. Miyagi philosophy. That's where it's at. We've adopted Mr. Miyagi philosophy, and we are teaching the kids, you know, calm, the right thing at the right time, patience, meaning, and it seems to be working. So God bless. Take care of one another. Peace. Peace.